This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we review Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Plus, John Bellotti Jr. joins us to talk about the historic actor strike in Hollywood and the teaser for the latest Toho movie, Godzilla Minus One. All that and more in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, July 17th, 2023. <laughs> you know who this is, and you know why you're here. You want all the latest comic book and superhero TV and movie news, and by God, you found it. Forget everything else out there. Forget all the Scientology bullshit. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. Worship at the feet of the holy trio of geekdom. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Play it. Check. Check one. All right. This is Roy Crabs out there. Well, hello, listener. How's it going? Thanks for pressing play, and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. He's a nerd. Rugboy, still out on vacay. We are subbing in someone else. Our resident opinionated New Yorker, the lovely admin of our Facebook group, Jock and Nerd Nation. It's John Bellotti Jr. What's up, sub? How you doing? This is John Mario Bellotti Jr. <laughs> Mario? That is that real? Is that true? That is real. Yeah, I I, I was the first Mario, not the other guy. Oh, okay. G- GMBJ we got. I didn't know you had a middle name there. I like the full yeah, name. Yeah, I'm the original, the OG Mario. Mario, thanks for joining us this week and filling in for the Felty. Appreciate it. No problem. I'm here for you if you need me. <laughs> yeah. Forget about it. You're going to have to talk like that the whole show also. See if you I can, can easily do see that. See if you can keep that up. Uh, and we have you here for a specific reason. Big Hollywood entertainment news. Before we get to all of that hubbub, a couple of programming notes for the listener here, guys. Listener, if you listen to our podcast in the app called Stitcher, well... You're going to have to find a new app to listen. To. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Stitcher, Stitcher going out of business. Stitcher will officially close its doors August 29th of this year, 2023, just over being around for 15 years. It started in 2008, was one of the earliest podcast player platforms around, and then it got sold and sold, and then uh, it got absorbed into Sirius XM, I believe. Long on Pandora, and now they're just shutting doors. So I don't know how many people still listen on Stitcher. If you're listening to this on Stitcher, here's your warning. You got about a month. We are. You can find us on all other podcast apps, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast. I will caution the Google Podcast feeds a little horked right now. I am struggling to get it fixed, so maybe not there, but it will get fixed. But if you go to our website, jockinair.com, there's links to all the places you can listen. I, uh, You guys ever use Stitcher? Never, never. I use I used it. I think when you told me that it existed yeah. for our podcast, I think I used it a couple times, and then uh, I forgot that it existed. Yeah, I kind of have not ter- uh, fired up Stitcher in a while. The last thing was many years ago, and they had an exclusive like Wolverine podcast that Marvel made. It was really good, and it came out like once a week only on Stitcher, and that was the last thing I listened to. So, Stitcher, bye bye. Second programming note, uh, fellas, we are approaching our 500th episode of the Jock and Nerd. Oh, Jock and Nerd. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Holy. 
Yes, this is episode Christ. 495. And of course, as usual, what do we got planned for 500, Anthony? Nothing. That is correct. And I was asking Anthony, but <laughs> thanks, Anthony. But Mario knew the answer right away. <laughs> Sorry. I would have I would have responded with would you say I was texting? <laughs> That's also a good one. I was actually <laughs> taking a photo of my cat uh, when I jumped in. I'm sorry, there, so. say that again. Uh, anyways, this is why I'm asking our listeners. You want to leave a nice comment on our Facebook page? Email us something. Voice. Well, I got an idea. Yeah. I don't know. what is there anything coming out that week, first off? Oh, that is a good question. Wait, what's the week? <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. It's <laughs> What's this episode? 495. Eight nine five hundred is no Blue Beetle. That's the Blue Beetle movie review. Right. Everybody, oh, we're doing. that sucks. <laughs> well, we can here. We can do a two-parter. We could do a Blue Beetle, and then if uh, Rugs and Bellotti get their shit together, we can do the first half be the Blue Beetle, and the second half be the all-time eighties to two thousands. Bait Jock and Nerd Tournament. Ooh, oh, that is special for oh, five. Because it'll only be sixteen teams be- or sixteen yeah. movies. Because it'll go by quick. Yeah, it'll go by. It will go by quick. Pilati, all you gotta do, you and Rugs gotta mash those. We yeah, we did Italian we, minds yeah. together or whatever. Whatever Rugs is, the Romanian, yeah. Transylvanian. Yeah, before he went to Lithuania, we kind of hashed it out. We we picked it out real quick. I'm not worried about that. Don't, and I'll still you, be you, you just gotta choose between two, right? Yeah. No, I think it was one, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta double back. I gotta. I'll reconnect yeah. with him, you know, now that he's back from uh, Eastern Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. At the brothels. I was sitting for visit all the brothels. Yeah. Yeah. Great so, Bilotti, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it World Cup style. So the whole each each um, grouping will have one movie from the 80s that in our tournament, one movie from the 90s, one movie from the 21st century, and then one of the foreign 80s or 90s films. Okay, should be. I trust it. Should be fun. It'll be fun. All right, and then we'll crown the all-time champion. Wow, we actually have a plan for our 500th episode. What? What do you know? We can't just do Blue Beetle because we know that's going to suck. No, yeah, that's. I don't know how that's going to be. That's great. We're going to do that, and then also I want to hear from the listeners. Send us a voicemail. Send us a message about if you've been listening for all 500 or not. Something nice. I don't know. Something mean. It'd be great to hear from the listeners as a celebration. Uh, if you have any questions, I don't know. It's fu- uh, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. All right, we came up with the plan. Perfect. Here's the thing: Bilotti is gonna be f- has a lot of free time coming up. We'll get into why. Uh, <laughs> I can start two and three other businesses right now. <laughs> right now, <laughs> I can open up a subway franchise if I want. Yeah, he's got the world is your oyster. Why? Well, that gets us into the new segment. Let's hit it: the Jock and Ned Podcast. All right. I have to officially rename the writer's strike segment is now called the writers slash actors strike segment oh, shit. because as of uh, uh, four days ago, this past Friday, SAG-AFTRA uh, officially went on strike. That's 160,000 actors halting production everywhere. Holy shit. Oh, shit. This is the first actors strike since 1980. I believe that one lasted 95 days. The first actors and writers strike since 1960, uh, which is over 60, 60 years ago. It's wild, historic. And this is why we have John Bellotti here. Bellotti, before we proceed. Because he's a famous actor. Because he is a, he's a stand Background actor. Seen background actor. Background, he's been scanned in. No, Bellotti, for he, the listener. He is De Niro. He is the background De Niro guy. It's actually Tom Cruise's stunt double. Tom I was in Cruise. The King of Comedy yeah. and Taxi Driver. Yep. 
was him and the Joker because they ripped off those movies. Pretty much. Bilotti, for the listener that doesn't know, let's put out your credentials while you are qualified to speak about this. Oh, let's see. I'm 43, so I started in this business when I was 23. Wow. Right out of college. Got an internship at the Juilliard School as a scenic artist intern. Left there after doing a brief stint as a stagehand at Juilliard. Then I became a PA on film and TV. And then I got into scenic painting. Oh, I got back into scenic painting, I should say. And then in 2010, I got into the Scenic Artist Union, which is part of IATSE, which Ah. is the entire motion picture and television industry. And I've been working on movies and TVs and Broadway ever since 2010. So here we are. So you are IATSE member, union Hollywood worker. You have a little bit of knowledge working around actors and writers and directors and crew. Yes. Um, the actors uh, striking in essentially for the, a lot of the same things, right? That the writers want. What do they want? Bilotti? They want better wages. Um, yes and no. They do want better wages. And remember, it's it's one of the few unions that in our industry that has like an 87% unemployment rate at any given time. Wow. Yeah. 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 So they're looking for more money because they're working much less frequently than the writers who are, as you know, they'll make 150 grand for like a show and then not work for like a year or two. Yeah. And in, living in LA, that's not feasible. Same thing as being an actor in New York or LA. Um, you know, they, money is a big part of what, what, what it is they want health insurance, because you have to make, I want to say 30,000 to get health insurance. And if you're not working, you are not qual even qualifying for health insurance. I believe there's a big percentage of SAG that it does not qualify at the moment. So yeah, they, which yeah. that's a big problem. Yeah. So then it moves into the AI situation, which is similar to the writers, yeah. because now it's like, you're taking it's so Already, you're you're in a negative, right? With getting health insurance and even pension, right? Because you need to work to contribute to your pension to retire, right? But now, if you're not working, you're not contributing. So mm-hmm. you got to be a waiter or a, mm-hmm. a cook or whatever, a bartender, all the whatever they do. And now with this AI thing, they they want to scan in background actors. And now I did background work, and I never had my SAG card, but there was always, you know, all us non-union people would always talk about, oh. You know, we have to get a SAG card. We just need like three, uh, what was it? Like three, ch- like ch- checks. Was, I forgot what it was. It's like, you got to get three waivers. Okay. And that's how you got in. I don't know what it's like now, but that's, it was always like, you got to get your three waivers. And people were like, we're stuck on two for like five years. And they couldn't get that third one because then if you get into SAG and you do background work, you can make a decent living if you hook up with the right people. Like there are these retirees that worked on law and order that shows been going on for 22, 22 seasons. So they would just show up and just hang out all day, eat free food and make like 500 bucks a day or whatever. And that's the thing. We're not talking about, you know, your Tom Cruises who are, will make 20, 30 million a movie. Most of actors are, you're talking about the jobbers that they need. And and the union uh, uh, argues for the minimum. They negotiate the minimum. These guys live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, just like anybody else. So it's not easy. Like a small percentage will get to that uh, uh, upper echelon, but you need all these background right. people. Right. But go, you know, segueing into background and the AI, what I was saying earlier is now what they want to do is scan a background actor in and then just reuse their likeness in perpetuity without even compensating. So now you're taking, yeah. So now you're taking work away from them. And then what happens in that moment is if you're, if you're using digital, deep fakes or whatever the hell they do, CGI background, right? Usually in my experience, what I've seen 
And what I've learned is that when you have background actors, you have wardrobe people and yep. makeup people yep. that's that is employing and yep. I and PAs that it's employing. Yep. You take away background actors, you're 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 not hiring costume people and wardrobe people it's not and hair just and makeup that one people. Dude. It's, it's not, not just, just that, that one guy. dude. No, yeah. and that's that's why you know our unions have to be very strong. And that's why our IATSE launched a whole AI initiative to like understand this and what it can do before they go into negotiations because they want to go in guns loaded next year. Because they're seeing what's going on now and yeah. everyone is trying to protect their jobs because it's been run a certain way for hundreds of years and now they just want to digitize it away. So people are freaking out. So basically that is that is the gist of it. That's the AI ramifications. I feel like there's other things they're not quite talking about yet, but I feel like they'll those will come out as well. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I had to well, say. there's about, residuals yeah, on streaming where there's no transparency in numbers. Oh yeah, that's, I mean, but that's like writers and the actors and even directors. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then they'll pull a movie off of streaming and then there goes residuals. And there was a recent story of an actress on Orange is the New Black who made like 27 cents in residuals. Yeah. Yeah. TV, which is crazy. Yeah. TV residuals were big and a lot bigger and streaming residuals right. are nothing. Uh, the, the other story is the She-Hulk writer that wrote the episode that featured Daredevil, like one of the biggest episodes of the season. She got $396 in residuals. for. Yeah, I believe it. After, yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. So, yeah, let me uh, let me step in real quick. Yeah. I, by no means I am I an expert, but uh, I've done a little bit of re- research here, and I've come to my uh, my own conclusions based on all this, but I think the, the big thing that is now the writers and the actors – um, I think it's it's the streaming. I think the streaming is really fucked all of this. Um, I was a big proponent of the streaming. I thought it was a great thing for the for us, but um, the way the industry has shifted towards streaming and towards um, On big demand. budget yeah. investment in in films, but then also big budget investment in streaming, and then now cutting back on the investment in streaming, it's really fucked everything. And um, yeah. I think, I think we're at a tipping point. I think this is. I think th- a lot of things are going to change. I think. I think well, this is. This is really going to change. Well, the way this things is huge, have been progressing. Huge. This is. It's an uh, an inflection point in the entire industry and, and potentially the world. Eventually, it's going to happen. And the interesting thing about the 1960 dual strike was that they were striking over residuals for a new invention called TV. Yep. Yep. So it seems every time they got this new technology, the studios sort of dragged their hands and they just let things, you know, continue as is until, you know, it's like getting, a, it's like a, a corporation or a criminal that, that just continues to, you know, uh, steal or cheat or whatever until they get caught. Right. Cause it's, they'll keep doing it. Yep, and once yep. they get caught, they go, Oh, okay, then we'll, we'll change it. But, but to sort of add to your point with the streaming is that, the streaming was always in the cards, right? Netflix showed us that that's where it's all going to go eventually. What happened was COVID expedited that process to a point that was unsustainable. Even in New York, we were you know we were on blacklist. We were sort of insulated, but we always talked to other crew members. And the amount of work that New York was sustaining, I couldn't even find people to, to staff my crew like when I needed extra hands. Wow, everybody had jobs. It was so busy. Wow. It was in, it's it was unsustainable, and we open up a list called the auxiliary list. We're bringing in non-union people. People don't even know how to roll paint on a wall because we had to fill spots on crews because it was just 
unsustainable. And I kept saying this bubble is not going to last because they're spending, spending, spending with all this Hollywood invest, you know, all the um, Wall Street investors were just throwing money at them. And he said, okay, well, COVID came. Now we're expediting this process. Let's brush everything out into production. And at some point, I mean, the dam was going to break. You know, you can't maintain that level of spending and not have to answer to some corporate overlord or investors. Yeah. And and to add to that point, so I think you're, you are absolutely right. The COVID broke the day. COVID pushed everything to streaming even right. quicker than it was. It was already going there. Here's right. the dirty little secret, although it's not really a secret. None of the streamers are making any fucking money. Yeah, that's no, the problem. So, so, yeah. so the problem is the actors and act, you know, all the people and the writers, they want money, but the streamers don't have money. They're losing the money. So that's, that, here's the thing. They, the streamers aren't making any money. They can't pay these people, but the, these actors and actress, actresses have been want or writers have been wanting to make more. Yeah. And everything's been in every, the, the streaming services have been run like big tech companies. Yeah. So they've been right. run with the thought process of, well, if we just up our subscriber base and we just uh, see the stock price raise, it's okay. Everybody, but yeah. they, they were never making any money. And now all these executives are coming in and going, wait a minute, this shit hasn't been working. And furthermore, to add to that point, I watched this video about what writers used to do. So writers, it, back before the streamers, would write on a show, but they'd write and they'd be on set. Right. And they'd write right. for 26 weeks for the, this long season, and they'd get exposure to the cast. They'd get exposure to the entire filmmaking process, and it'd be this organic way of writers working their way up the ladder and eventually becoming directors or, or right. any sort of right. position yep. showrunners well, yeah yep. yeah showrunners directors whatever you could be you know an assistant writer and then move up and because of covid now the right and because of the streaming two things the writers are now writing and doing these writers rooms on zoom calls yeah so they're not getting any exposure to the industry anymore yeah. they're not learning more about the industry yeah. they're yeah. writing in their own silo yeah. but secondly because of the streaming these they're not writing for 26 episodes anymore you know they're not they're not filling 26 weeks of work right they're writing for a, an episode dump that's going to be a, a day yeah yeah like, right so they're yeah. losing all that time and they got to find another job paychecks yeah. and then yeah and also losing all that time on set to, to develop their skills and not actually developing their skills a lot of showrunners now come in not ever being on a tv set before and they just get hired and they don't know what the fuck's going on yeah, this right. whole this whole business is about experience. And if you're not getting that experience, you're going to get less experienced people. It's going to get more expensive to put on shows because they don't know the the, the trade secrets of how to expedite the, you know, the filming and the writing and they just don't know that they don't know the workarounds. They they don't know anything because they're not on set. They're not learning. It's all about being you know, th- what is that saying? Like uh, feet first into the fire, just yeah. like, th- like you, you know, gotta know so- yeah, you got to know how to work with talent and all all that yeah. stuff, and yeah. and how to speak to talent yep. and directors, yep. and yep. you got egos and yep. teamsters and uh, yeah, you, you know art departments. Yeah. yeah, you got there's so much that they're not learning. It's all going to get lost eventually. Well, right. What's also happening too is because now the streamers have been realizing they're they're not making money. They're obviously upping prices. But secondly, they're actually cutting back on yeah. the budgets for these yeah. shows. Right. So, for example, like we can talk about Marvel yeah. real quick. Marvel or uh, the Marvel uh, heads have realized that, fuck, this streaming thing wasn't wasn't smart, yeah. especially for MCU and, and Star Wars and everything. And they've realized that, fuck, we're putting in all this money on these streamers, on these shows, 
and it's not working. So let's cut back the budget. Well, if you cut back the budget, you you get something like She-Hulk, which looks like trash. And that's because there's not the money invested in it that it was before. So now you're producing something that looks like trash, but is also supposed to stand next to Marvel and then also sucks. So it's just this cyclical effect. And we can talk about, um, we'll talk about it later, but for example, Secret Invasion. Yeah. I don't know that it looks like trash, but it doesn't look fucking epic in scale. And this is supposed to be a world ranging story. So it's just this ugly domino effect that's happening where now the quality of the shows is going down. I, I think this is, I mean, as as uh, Bilotti said, I think there's a real inflection point. I think a lot of shit's going to change after this. I think we might see to. a lot of yeah. these streamers go away. I think it, even though I I personally like having everything at my fingertips, the cable business was a tried and true model, and this they have not fucking figured out. A linear TV is kind of dying off too, and the cable and. Uh, you can clearly net blame Netflix is a huge part. They are the ones stand out, I believe, in all of these negotiations. And you're right, Anthony. Think about what you said. Netflix was a fucking tech company. It wasn't see, a, a movie right. company. Well, that's the thing with Hollywood, right? Because if if what's like that old stereotype with Hollywood? It's like if some movie hits big, there's like a million movies that just steal the fall, like, right? The Marvel Universe, every other studio tried to do their own straight right, universe right. and failed. So what does Hollywood do? They fucking copy. So they saw Netflix and then they said, we got to get into that game too because Netflix is going to lap us. And they all jumped into it not knowing what they were doing, having no experience with it. And again, instead of having the years of R&D and trial and error, COVID just, you know, they they jumped the gun and they they rushed everything out like Warner Brothers in 2020 releasing their entire slate on the streaming Max, yeah Even, uh, yeah no I was gonna say it, um I can't remember I lost my point but anyway <laughs> Secret Invasion <laughs> budget just came out uh, 225 million dollars that's insane they how many episodes six six for six episodes yeah but I, I think but that's the thing it's 225 for six I think I think it was actually they were investing more well man. Well, Am- Amazon spent like $300 million on that show, Citadel. I don't think anybody fucking watched that show. I watched like the first four episodes, didn't finish. They're throwing away all this money. I want to hear from Fran Drescher for a little bit. She is the president of sag Afra. That's right. The motherfucking nanny giving an impassioned speech at the press conference. Let's just, I'm going to play a couple of clips. I'll put the link in there uh, if you want to listen to the whole thing. But here's some excerpts here. But we had no choice. We are the victims here. We are being victimized by a very greedy entity. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly. How far apart we are on so many things. How they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. She's badass. She's badass. Speaking of uh, executives getting money, bad optics in the sense that Bob Iger called the union demands not realistic. Same day they go on strike. He does this interview on CNBC. He got uh, his contract got extended two more years through 2026. He's probably making tens of millions of dollars. Zaslav made like $300 million like last year. Something ridiculous. 
Uh, so this is uh, this is a war. This is a war between uh, the talent and the studios who have become corporates. Bilotti, is this Hollywood imploding in front of us? What what happens? Uh, Hollywood always goes through a change. It always, every decade, it's always, you know, it always changes. This is nothing new. I mean, in the 60s, Hollywood was dying until the new wave of directors like Scorsese and Lucas and Spielberg all fucking saved it, you know, the whole new Hollywood thing. And then they turned it into this Hollywood. So the guys that ironically saved Hollywood turned it into what it is now, which is now <laughs> eating itself alive. But, you know, since I've been in the business, you know, the old, the elder scenics I used to work with would say, you know, these cheap studio, studio people, and they always have the money, but they always claim poverty and they do a lot of accounting gymnastics, man. And, you know, I was talking earlier about all this, how, you know, every time this, this is like a labor movement, they always go after the CEOs and they talk about the, the accounting and how they'll, they'll claim something as a loss just so they don't have to report it to the IRS and they end up saving money. And, you know, I, I hope when the dust settles that people don't forget like how much these CEOs make and the accounting, I, I don't want that. I don't want that narrative to die off. That's kind of my fear because they've always done this. When COVID hit and we all were out of work for, I think, eight months I was out of work. When we went back, they had this, all these new rules and guidelines and the testing was costing our show. I want to say, I think like a hundred thousand an episode Yikes. Yikes. or a week an or something. It was, it, yeah. was, it, was, it, was it was insane. I think it, they were way over budget like a quarter of the season. Like, so we, we were doing 22 episodes. It's nine months long. I think they blew their COVID budget in like three or four months. I mean, wow. it was over like millions of dollars. Yeah. So this, this happened to all, a lot of the movies that yeah. have just been coming out too. That's why everything like, is yeah. like $300 million Flash, dollars right Indiana now. Jo- yeah, 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 because of that. They want to make these productions during COVID and this is what they had to spend. So don't tell me you don't have money when you found money to fucking do this. And I, when I worked on Men in Black 3, I remember getting laid off. And they said, because we did this, um, the big headquarters is like the, the headquarters that they shot for the modern day because it's a time travel story. Yeah. And I got like a laid off around like November-ish. And they said, yeah, we hopefully we can bring you back in January when we do this changeover because they, have they haven't finished writing the script. And then I remember the day I got laid off, they came back to me and said, can you come back in tomorrow? Sony all of a sudden found $250,000. They just found $250,000. Yeah, all of a sudden. Oh, man. So that's that story. Just multiply that story on every fucking job I've ever goddamn been on. Wow. It's the same story. All these, they always want to like, they always want to cut back on labor. They always say we're expensive. Not just my union, but the carpenters, the grips, the electricians. They always want to cut back. They try to save money. And every single time they do that, it ends up costing them more money because either we're rushing something or something doesn't look good and we have to do it again. It it's like this, it's it's this hilarious narrative that continues to this day with these productions. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 a fucking weird business, man. It's it's just weird. And everybody wants to make money, but the thing is Nobody knows how to make money because nobody knows what's going to be a hit. Right, you just got to make the it problem. and take the risk. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's the thing. It's the it's the ultimate risk, right? It's it's the ultimate risk because it's one of the few industries. I maybe the only one that you're literally creating something out of nothing. We yeah. go into a yeah. either a studio that is just four walls, a ceiling, and a floor, and all of a sudden there's like ten sets that are thrown up within 
weeks or months. Sometimes on Blackwood, it was a fucking day or an hour because that's all the only time we had. But it was a weekly TV show. We had seven days Jeez. to do like three or four sets sometimes. It, it, I mean, it's kind of beautiful how it is the a combination of art and commerce. And somebody has to figure out how to balance that. And clearly right. one side it, is, yes. is getting more attention than the other. But you can't fuck with your talent. You know, no, I, well, I, I think I think the the I I totally sympathize with the writers and the actors and everyone you know involved. But I think the problem going back to this though is like the businesses aren't making any money, right? Like a lot of the like a lot of for example, Netflix is king, right? They were the first ones to market. They are still doing okay. Um, Amazon and Apple are other companies, so they lean. A lot of these are loss leaders for them. These um, streamers, meaning. Right. They're they're just doing this to expand their brand. Right. Companies like Disney and Paramount and Universal, Comcast, Peacock, um, they're media companies. Yeah. And they're trying to run this tech thing and they're like siphoning I mean, money is just being siphoned out right now. So like they all made a huge mistake, I think, in what terms of investing yeah. in these streamers. And they're they're <laughs> They 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 got to clean up their own house and then they and and then they have this drop on them. They're everything's fucked. I right mean, now. It, this is the craziest, most unprecedented time for this to happen. The box office is down twenty five percent. Everybody's cutting back, and now this drops. Like this is a breaking point. Something has to change. Well, the box office too. I mean, it's one of those things where. There's just not a lot of variety in the box office. Right. right? No, there's right? not. Not like there's not. So, Anthony, your theory is the reason Netflix doesn't want to disclose its numbers is because it will actually come out that they're under and it's going to hurt their shareholders and it doesn't matter. They don't have the money to pay residuals. They don't want their shareholders to know that. No, no. Well, no, I, I, I don't I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I just think uh, the the number they keep the numbers to themselves so they don't have to pay more. Well, people. well I mean, that's let's, really what it is. But are are there high numbers? Are those are actual numbers? Are are high? But like you said, they run on subscriptions. They don't have ad money. A lot of these places where they're getting the well, money. They're adding it. So Netflix is adding, adding it. Yeah. yeah, all these two. But that's a fraction of uh, from what they get from their subscription. Um, how do you pay out residuals when you are a subscription based model? Right. Is I don't, right because it's crazy. what happens is if like let's say Warner Brothers makes a show right yeah. and they license it to Netflix. Yeah. Netflix just pays the licensing fee. Warner Brothers is the one that has to pay residuals. Therein lies the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, right. that's yeah. true. Netflix gets away with not paying they shit. They get away with it. And apparently Netflix is still like, we ain't paying this shit. I don't well, care. Well, they're going to have to pay. Well, let's do a fun game. How yeah. much is Netflix a month? 16 bucks? Now? Yeah, it's like $16. Is it 16? Yeah. All right. 16 they, times. How many subscribers let's do they see. have? I, I'm going to say like 250, uh, 230. It could be more. Let me see. 230 million? Yes. Let's see if my calculator can even go that far. That's three point six thirty two as of eight. the first quarter. So is that three point six eight billion dollars a month from like for one month? Did I do that math correct? That's three point six eight e nine. Whatever the hell that means. <laughs> Does <laughs> I that mean broke your calculator? Yeah, that's like sixteen billion. Holy shit! That, that's a lot. Is that sixteen billion dollars a month they're making? Yeah, sixteen billion dollars a month. Times twelve. But there's what? What is? Wait, how, what? They're spending maybe a hundred billion on content. Trying to figure out 
what Netflix is burning every month, though. Oh, how much does it cost to run Netflix? Is yeah. the other how much can it cost? You got servers, you got people. I don't know. They're not shipping. Well, it's, DVDs. it's for productions, right? Like, well, you and gotta, all the production. Yeah, right, right, right. like Stranger Things doesn't look as good as it does because they're cutting back on that show. You know, like right. they put money into that. Apple show. TV Plus got money for their production. Some of their shows look gorgeous. Yeah, what's well, Apple? Three trillion dollar fucking company. They can come exactly. off a little bit. What the fuck? Exactly. Uh, how about this story? Before the actor strike came out, Deadline uh, sources were talking to Deadline about the strategy the AMPTP wants to employ, essentially saying, quote, the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses. They're saying October. They're waiting. They gave the SAG 12 day extension right after June 30th. Apparently, there was no meetings or calls held in that 12 days. The studios just wanted time to promote their shit before they went on strike. They did not intend well, to even negotiate during that 12-day extension. All right. So so here's a little economic breakdown of, what, of what's going on. And I was tell, talking to my crew about this back before we wrapped the season because one of our uh, older scenics, she's, she's been in the business for like 30, 40, uh, God, like 50 years maybe. Wow, wow. And she was telling me, you know, they're building all these studios, but then they're cutting back. And she's like, I think they put the car, the car before the, the horse here because Netflix is building studios all over. This was a break ground in New Jersey wow. on all these studios, which I don't think is happening. I think Whoa. they were expanding a little too fast Whoa. and they built studios in Brooklyn. Uh, anyway, basically what's happening is uh, Wall Street is sort of pulling out of Hollywood a little bit. They're uh, saying, we invested uh, all this money. We uh -huh. gave you this money for streaming to uh -huh. get you guys going. And now you're showing loss after loss after loss. Yeah. Box office is losing, right? So what do these what do you notice these companies have been doing? They've been laying people off, right? Yeah. Amazon, yeah. Netflix, yeah. Yep. right? Everybody. Netflix was the Disney. first one. Disney, yeah. yep. right? Marvel, yep. Jesus. I mean, everyone's laying people off left and right. So okay, so you start laying people off. You start saving millions and maybe billions of dollars because you uh, you start laying people off. You hold you're saving money on salary. Then what else? What else happens when you want to save money? Well, you don't put things into production because that costs money, right? And it's also a risk. So now you have these layoffs. You have shows that aren't going in production. And what better way to halt production than to allow strikes to go on? Yeah, this for, is in their favor. They're, they're, this is all in their favor. Gonna, so it's, they wanted to so, drag it on. Yeah, Jesus. so they'll, yeah, they'll get their quarterly gains because they're not spending anything and they're not losing anything. But they're, so not, they're not going to be making anything. because They're not making anything. Well, here's a interesting. This is from microtrends.net. Yeah. Netflix uh, in the quarter ending in March 31st, 2023, lost uh, $1.3 billion. Oh, lost $1.3 after all that $16 billion a month. Jesus. Yeah, because people went back to work. So <laughs> in your guys' opinion, who actually has the leverage here? Oh, I mean... The talent. Can the talent yeah, I think, I think outweight if they, I mean, the studios? Yeah, that's tough to say. I think the talent... I think the talent has the leverage... Like, I think the general public agrees with the talent. Absolutely. Um, the problem is the talent is probably broke most of the time. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> at some point, you're going to need to do something. They need each other. Right. Yeah. But as long you if know? they're able to stick it out, um, there's going to be so there's going to be major changes because the the streamers again. I'm going to sound like a, I'm beating a dead horse. The streamers are not making money. The the movies the theaters are not making any yeah, money. Yeah. The Hollywood's in a really rough place right now overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing that it's like this. But the studios have a lot of money. It may be enough to wait out the talent is the thing. This is a fucking standoff. 
it's going to be they, real they interesting. They can wait it out, but in three years, what do you think is going to happen again? Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. There's not every three years, these contracts are up. Yeah, yeah. And, and go through this again. Yeah. And, you know, the last time these contracts were up was, let's see, it's 2024. So I remember my union was going to go on strike. Well, it wasn't my union. I'm part, I'm USA 829. Yeah. And I'm part of IATSE, okay. which is the big one. Okay. IATSE was going to go on right, strike. Right. But at the last minute, I remember that. They fucking settled for a bullshit contract that gained nothing. Yeah. So, you know, I think that they, I think they settled because we were coming out of COVID. And then before that, the last time the contracts were up were 2020. And everybody just wanted to keep the fucking lights on. So they said, well, yeah, we'll agree to whatever. You know, let's just keep working and working. And now that we're coming out of all that stuff and looking around, now that dust has settled from the pandemic, where everyone's looking around saying, you have all these subscribers, you're doing all this work, uh, you know, where's our cut? Like, you know, we kept you guys going. We kept the lights on. Yep. How about you, like, toss us one? Instead, the the CEO's pockets got fatter yep. and nobody else's pockets uh, got anything. And then, like, look at a show like Black Mirror. We started watching it. So it was season one, three episodes. Yeah. Three episodes? That's how the original That's insane. Model was. That yeah. that is not a season. Well, this that is this not a season. newest season was only five episodes. That's still it's it, that is not a season. No. I mean, and so what kind of fake mini writers room? You you sidestepping all sorts right. of things when, when you're, you're a writer. Like, when you're when you're a writer or trying to be a showrunner, yeah, to have it, that's a drastic change, right? So now you have that's to nothing. write, come up with new ideas. You have to jump. You have to hop to so many different shows to make up for what would have been a 23, 26 episode. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, thirteen episode season, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is the time to take a stand, though. Like. I'm oh, obviously yeah. I'm with the the creatives and even though it's the the you know you can argue it is the Hollywood is in a financially bad place this is exactly the time to take a I stand. Mean, this is definitely the time. I mean if you look at just what's been coming out and there's still some gems out there don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. But if you look at the way the theaters have been progressing and you look at the way the movies, you know, you're looking at old all these old things that like don't aren't working on screen yep, such as, yep. you know, Indiana Jones yep. and ant-man and the flash and all these things that are just bleeding money and it's just like this has been it's been barreling to this this conclusion of of big budget films that like inevitably also like are huge budgets but look cheap like it's just it's crazy it's 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 wild why is every movie three hours and 300 fucking million dollars yeah no how is it 300 million and looks bad yeah it looks like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, you know what's also interesting? There are labor strikes going on right now around the world in lots of different industries. Yeah. UPS, UPS yeah, at yeah. the end of the month. Pilots are striking, teachers, truck drivers, like every. It's crazy. Yeah. So well, COVID really fucked a lot. It of was things, COVID. Right? Yeah, I've had it. It's time people are fucking pissed. No, no, it's not. Well, I've had it. It's just everything got yeah. so. People are yes, I've had it, but also pe- things just got so inflated. Yeah. Everything, well, yeah. every everything, oh. everything was more, 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 more. And everyone point. broke their back to yeah. provide more, and then now right. things have cut back, and no one saw anything people from were, providing all that. Right, people were working more, and a lot of people were quitting. Like my wife works for Social Security, and she talked to a lot of people, like around the you know the first <clears throat> first two years of COVID, that were just getting out of the game. Teachers, yeah. Yeah. doctors, yeah. Of, oh, cops. I mean, people in my business. My old boss, he was like. Before he before he gave me the the job to take over, he's like, yeah, you know, he just he got out. That's a lot of people were just leaving, it's and so crazy people have to pick up. And then, you know, like think about all the like. I remember my doctor told me that our you know our hospital Mount Sinai, that's like the big one of the big hospitals in New York. 
they lost like 13% of like their healthcare staff. Wow. And he's like, yeah, 13%, but that's like over 1300 nurses. And he said, you can't just train a nurse in a week. That's like months and years. Yeah. Knowledge just walked out the door. Yeah. Yeah, you're losing a lot of knowledge that it's that you're gonna start from scratch. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, everything is halted. Deadpool three, Mission Impossible eight. Uh, some things in Europe can still film, but here's what another crazy thing. What's this weekend? San Diego Comic Con. All the big studios had already pulled out, but now uh, no panels, no actors. It's gonna go back to like it was and just be about comics, I guess, and toys maybe. Uh, Crazy! So that what is time to yeah. What a time to go to Comic Con well, if you were looking forward to all those panels. This may again, like I said last week, the best time or the worst time to go. Uh, you're gonna have a lot of breathing room. It's not gonna be crazy. Uh, in fact, oh, the other story was the Oppenheimer premiere. These guys knew it was happening. They timed it to where they could go on the cop red carpet, get their pictures taken. The premiere starts, and they all fucking get up and they walk out. It's completely uh, choreographed, orchestrated, but pretty dope to like do it right at the premiere it's probably the last premiere hollywood's gonna see in a while this is nuts uh and but we'll see where this goes we'll be tracking it hopefully a change can be made this is they're literally negotiating for the future of like the entertainment industry where it's gonna go this this is the time it's kind of historic and crazy to watch uh listener let us know what you think join our facebook group jock and nerd nation you could geek it up in there let us know what you think about all this craziness. It's a closed exclusive group just for our listeners. Bilotti, thanks for the insight. If anybody has questions, you can probably reach out. Bilotti will give you some answers, but it's good having someone kind of on the inside to parse this out. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and of course, we can't let you come and go without uh, talking about Godzilla. Of course. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Why? Because there's a teaser for a movie called Godzilla Minus One. From Toho. Minus one. Minus I want to see, see if I could say it to like, like the trailer. How, it's like how that. do they say it? I tried to say it like that. <laughs> With the, I, let's see if I can do a female voice. Gojira. Minus one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better. Yeah. Gojira. Minus one. They, they know how to sell it, man. They really they do. Sell it, they, they say it in such a way that you. I just go... In English, that title makes no sense. Makes yeah. no sense. But them saying it, like, oh, I go, it's a cool title. Oh, that works. It's a cool title. Yeah, I think I, I'm in. Well, they explain in the, in the trailer, they, Why? their teaser digs. So basically, the new premise is it takes place uh, in post-war Japan. Oh. So it's like the war just ended. Ooh. Japan was already in a negative. Godzilla comes out. Now they're in the minus. Oh. That's uh, the whole premise of it. Yeah. Minus So that's going to be one. a really interesting story because i'm picturing like how do they fight this with no military and does it i really hope it doesn't get political oh my god that's right japan would have no military force there they at their no military lowest, force completely yeah, decimated occupation. yeah they had an oh, so, so this, is this a new origin this is yes this is a new origin that is supposed to can this is supposed to start a new series from i i, I hear mixed things they had this whole plan to do a marvel cinematic universe of Godzilla, which Toho already did in the sixties with Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra solo movies. And then they teamed them all up in Ghidorah. And that was like, okay, cool. That's what the universal monsters did. And then Marvel movies started doing that formula. And then Toho was like, we're going to do what the Marvel movies did, even though we already did that in the sixties. So they're just <laughs> repeating what they did. So apparently there's supposed to be, obviously depending on his, how this movie does, there's supposed to be a Mothra solo movie and maybe oh. a Rodan and, 
See, I, I, I read that, but then I read that that's not happening, that this is yeah, its it, own it, thing. It, and, yeah, it goes back and forth, and I, I'm kind of over this whole its own thing because they've been doing this since the 2000s where every movie is its own movie, and at some point, I don't know. It just it's gets another kind of, reboot, restart. I'll tell you what, though. The quick shots they showed of the action in this already looks 100 times better than fucking Shin Godzilla. Oh, yeah. No, the, 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 the director, yeah, the director of the movie is a legitimate film director and he loves Godzilla. And in fact, there was a movie he directed called before sunset, which sunset on some, um, just, I messed up the tile. Anyway, he's got like three of these movies and the second movie, he had a Godzilla cameo in it, which was all CGI. And it looked amazing. Like just the way he shot it and the way Godzilla wow. looked and, yeah, he did basically like a proof of concept Godzilla movie. It was movie called Always his own Sunset Always on the Third sunset, Street yes. 2. Something. There you go. <laughs> so, and those movies won awards, and that guy is, he's a legit filmmaker, and he does his own visual effects. Wow. So this, this guy is stacked. I mean, this is like, I don't want to say this is like James Cameron directing a Godzilla movie, but this might be something close to that, Holy hopefully. Holy shit. Whoa. Yeah, this guy is legit, man. This ain't no Hideyaka Anu who's just like total like otaku fanboy. This guy, he knows his shit. So I don't know, man. It, the trailer looks cool, and I love the new design. It really, I, I love it. I think it has the best elements of the original and the '90s version, and the, even the American version. So uh, I'm ex- Tony. How do you feel about it? Uh, a couple things. Um, Japanese CGI. I can already tell though. It's it's going to need some work. Hopefully right. they can dust it off. Like the first shot right away of the the bell tower. I'm like that. Fuck that. That CGI doesn't look great. Oh really? Um, yeah. But did, the the flash, of, but did the flash of CGI look great? No, better or worse. Did, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're not talking about better that. Than that. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> um, in the shot of Godzilla, it I looks good, but then the CGI again is a little eh. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not uh, fully, uh, fully sold on CGI Godzilla from Japan. That being said, poster is fucking dope. Yeah, the G is cool. <laughs> and I, I'm with you, Bilotti. I really enjoy... I love this design compared to... Um, Shin. Shin, oh shit, yeah. I hated. I fucking um, hate it. I still hate that design. It's the worst. Um, it really is. You, it's it's definitely got the the '90s Heisei vibe that I like. Right. In terms of just him more upright, big big strong thighs, not fat. Uh, more of like a that that face that the Heisei Godzilla had. But then I also enjoy um, the giant spike. Yeah, he's got on the huge back, spikes which is on the back. Millennium type. Right. And then he's a little bit more scaly, which is what is that like more. Um, it's like craggly i guess yeah it's, like. it's i don't really know what th- that's uh alluding to but i mean that's i guess that's millennium ish it's the um, uh arms the arms look like they're like almost human proportion arms they look longer than other godzillas that's, yeah that's about you, yeah i think that's a little yeah. longer but that's what with the heisei godzilla okay, almost okay. had. i think yeah. it's a little longer though this godzilla looks like if they wanted him to fight other monsters this godzilla can easily fight other monsters the way he moves and bends he's got he's arms fast. yeah yeah shin godzilla i was like i really did this is not no a godzilla way. that, that can was go, a slow as fuck godzilla yeah, just this one is not fighting Ghidorah with yeah. those tiny twig arms shin had some yeah, junk so in the I'm, trunk i i like this is and i i like the american design but um the american design is is an american design um right. this one is more in line with how the japanese have done godzilla Right. Uh when especially when he's at his most menacing and I and I like the elbow spikes. I think yeah, this is uh and the trailer looked looked good. The teaser short. I hope it's yeah. not uh I hope they incorporate a monster just like I'd like to see 
him fight something, but uh, I don't not. We'll I, think I don't think they will. I don't think so either. I, like I said, I I I want to invest in a Godzilla series again, and I just feel like when you keep restarting it, it's hard to invest in a series. So if you're going to keep making Godzilla movies, have some continuity because otherwise, what's the point? Imagine having like okay, remember the Millennium series? It was one mm-hmm. two. Three, four, what, five, six movies? Imagine having six Spider-Man movies six years in a row and none of them tie into each other. Just well, six. Just one just, of them. Just, yeah. Yeah, random. Yeah, just like, yeah, like let's say like you have the Tobey Maguire. Six first movies. Right? Over the and over. first two movies. Godzilla X, uh, Mechagodzilla, and then Godzilla SOS. Yeah, that was, was the only one. But then you together. had the Millennium Design in 2000 and then the a similar design to Mega Gyrus, but it didn't tie in together. That would be weird. It's just fucking weird. And then GMK was a total departure. Then you had Final Wars that had nothing to do with anything. (laughs) Right. So just imagine like a Marvel movie doing that here and how (laughs) nobody would invest into something like that. It would be like a Marvel movie doing that, but they'd all tie into um, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in 2002. Yeah, they keep going back to that. They keep going back and say, oh, this is the real sequel. This is the the legit sequel to the Tobey Maguire. Terminator did that a little bit. I like, forget all these movies. And no one likes that, right? Nobody likes that. This will work. So again, that's my hope is that they build off of this into something else. That's which is why I think his design reflects uh, the sort of like a best of element of Mm -hmm. all their designs. And he looks like he can fight other monsters. That's that's my observation. This era is called the Reiwa era. Yeah, oh. the Reiwa. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Uh, I don't like that in the Reiwa era they're including these three animated films because I feel like tech. Yeah, technically the Reiwa era didn't start until after those films. Even well, Shin, oh. I think, is still Heisei period. But technically, in what's on Wikipedia, the, the, the ultimate right. source. Uh, <laughs> it's never wrong. Shin Godzilla is the start of the Reiwa. Oh, yeah. It's another mm. reboot. All right. Well, to wrap up this Godzilla talk, if you want Godzilla all the time, well, now you can have it. Pluto TV this month, July, launched a 24-hour Godzilla channel. Geek boner. Devoted to nothing but Godzilla and his friends. Uh, uh, Bloody, I imagine this is just on all the time at your house. Yeah. Yeah, right? You have it on favorites. I'm cruising. So I have like... I'm Pluto TV. I've been a big fan of Pluto for like a year now. They, I don't need anything else, honestly. But my wife wants these other streamers. So I have... The Godzilla channel favorited next to the Tokushatsu channel, which oh, wow. plays old, plays Kamen Rider, Ultraman. Don't oh, play Godzilla you're stuff. In heaven over there. And then I have my Flicks of Fury channel, which is all kung fu movies. So I just go. It's just like <laughs> made for me. Like I could just. I want to be like an old, like fucking senile, you know, decrepit old man. I'm just watching Pluto TV on a loop, 24 hours. Anthony, you like 24 hour Godzilla channel? You can check it out. I didn't know it existed. It but, just started. Uh, I might throw it on here and there just to see what's on. It's the, fun. The thing about it's the old, fun. watching the old Godzilla movies is there's a there's a nostalgia factor that I have in watching these, and I I have to say, Bali, this might crush you. Um, I rewatched Godzilla versus the Smog Monster Hedorah. Like oh, I maybe love that one. Two two months ago, three not two months ago, two years ago, uh-huh. and I was like. Man, I didn't like this as much as an adult that I did as a kid. That's funny because I had the opposite. I didn't like it as a kid. When I got got older, I said, Jesus, this movie's serious. This is a trip. Well, it, it is bonkers. But as yeah. a kid, I was like, this is the holy grail. I think also part of that reason, and you'll remember, well, you weren't a kid when I was a kid. But I think that you also went through a similar experience. Finding Godzilla versus the Smog Monster in a blockbuster was like nearly impossible. 
Yeah, it was one that and just, just for me it was Destroy All Monsters. Destroy All Monsters, was very yeah, that was difficult to find. Yeah, I had to get like a bootleg VHS for some dude in Atlanta. So yeah. this article says Pluto TV is showing stuff that has been largely unavailable in the US, like Godzilla versus King Ghidorah and Godzilla versus Biolante will be eighty four. Yeah, oh, all yeah. the all the nineties movies yeah, basically. Yeah, the nineties movies were fine. Those nineties so. movies, yeah, were like a, a dark pit to find. I I bought those I bought those reading a magazine. My dad found a magazine where you could in the like one of the the corner pages, you could order Godzilla movies straight from Japan. So he would he called in, and then the, these movies would come in on VHS with like these fancy like VHS um, plastic like wraparound covers that you would, like click off and on. Oh yeah, on. those are cool. It was really cool. They were yeah. like artwork. Yeah, and then I would watch these movies with Japanese dub. Or American dub on Japanese in like the late nineties, and I thought I was just like in heaven. <laughs> I was like I was or I was I was like getting these movies like shipped to me. And wow! I, and I, as a, as a kid, I was thinking I as a kid, the only movies, the only like recent movies that I ever saw the Showa movies were Godzilla eighty four and Godzilla versus Biollante. You could find it in some oh. stores. You can find it in some blockbusters. Yeah. HBO, but, uh, I think HBO, yeah, HBO released Biollante in '84. Yeah. Was New World, so they were they were in circulation. Biollante was on HBO for a while, right? And I, but the, I remember the ones after that, like at, starting with Godzilla versus King Dora, you couldn't. I didn't know those existed, so I would get these movies sent to me, and I was like, "Are these the same?" Like, and then I'd throw them on, and as a kid, the wonder I'd have of being like, "Oh my god." <laughs> This is an updated version. Oh shit! I Holy was fuck. Yeah, yeah. I was there with you. I mean, I was ah. reading G fan, so I knew this stuff was coming out. But I used to go into Chinatown to get the bootlegs, mm-hmm. and and just like being a kid in the nineties. God, I was a teenager, and then like you know, you think you're done with Godzilla, and then you find right. out there's more of them. There's and, more, right? And you just start. I'm like, I'm watching a new Godzilla new movie. Godzilla? This is crazy. I- I'll I- never forget throwing on. First off, I thought the movie I had was Godzilla. I was wanting, I was searching up and down for Godzilla versus Space Godzilla because I saw on like CNN or something that they they released this movie, and I thought I'd ordered Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, and instead I ordered Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. I was like all bummed out because I I'd seen that <laughs> one in the seventies, right? So yeah. I plop in the the VHS, and it's the one from the fucking nineties, which oh, is an nice. awesome movie. Oh it man, is. yeah. And it starts out with that them like constructing Mecha Godzilla, and it's like. Dun, 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 oh dun, man, that is like dun, one of the best dun, things. Dun, 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 and I fucking freaked the fuck out. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, what is this? The yeah. space Godzilla look like Mecha Godzilla. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you yeah. Godzilla nerds, calm so, down. Yeah, everybody. So I, I, I'm going to go clean myself up now because I just had a, a real nostalgic <laughs> moment there. Yeah. Calm don't down. Talk about, next time you go to a club, don't talk about any of this, okay? <laughs> uh, I had to I'm keep gonna this open, shit. That's going to be my opening line. Hey, babe. Have you seen Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla in 1995? <laughs> it's way better than the one in the 70s. Hey, want to see my? Yeah, want to see my Batra? Like, you're pumped. what? Yeah, me too. Okay, I got the okay. larva and I got the fully immersive, right, fully foreign Batra. That's enough out of you, Godzilla nerds. We're gonna take Sorry. a break here, you bastards. Uh, we're gonna play some promos and come back and gush over Tom Cruise doing some insane shit on film right after this. What's up, Jock and Nerd Nation? This is Logan at Mostly Superheroes, a podcast that was partly inspired by the Jock and Nerd podcast. 
we talk about a lot of the same stuff, MCU, DC heavy, with other content that comes out of HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Netflix, and more. We're committing to doing something new every day in 2021, so come join the fun, check out the schedule. Find us at MostlySuperheroes.com and enjoy the rest of the show. We'll get you back to your regularly scheduled podcast in just a minute. But we wanted to introduce ourselves. I'm Jason. I'm Jeff. And I'm Blake on this highly produced advertisement. That's right. It's the History of Bad Ideas, a.k.a. Hobie. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Bad Ideas Podcast and on Facebook at The History of Bad Ideas. But if you like a podcast uh, roundtable with three to five guests, usually every week, depending on sick leave, uh, talking about all things geek, including movies, TV, I ain't getting paid for this shit. Blake bitching about something and ranting, uh, and comic books and anything else that we can think of. We have a top five list every week, along with a box office news, and somehow we have listeners, so they send us some feedback we answer every week. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Spotify, and any good podcast app, because if you can't find us on that podcast app, it's not a good podcast app. Damn straight. Roger says goodbye. Goodbye. Listener, if you enjoy this show, make sure you sign up for our Patreon fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jockandnerd! And you can give back on a monthly or annual basis, and there's tiers where you get benefits. For example, there is an exclusive Patreon podcast feed that has bonus content Shows come out early, instant reactions, a lot of extra stuff to listen to over there. Uh, you can also join us for our monthly Discord hangout. In fact, this month's hangout is the day after this show posts, Thursday, July 20th, uh, 8 p.m. Central Time. Anthony will not be there because watch I, it Oppenheimer. I know you're watching. The, I got my tickets for Friday for the Oppen, Barbenheimer, Oppen Barbie. No, just one of them. Oppenheimer, which we'll be reviewing next week. And there's a tier where you can pick any movie you want to watch us want us to watch and review just for you. Lots of fun stuff over on the Patreon. Check it out. Okay, it's time to get into the action. We have a big review. We are talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Here's your spoiler alert. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. Surprisingly, the first Mission Impossible movie we have fully reviewed, even though they've been fantastic entries in the past few years. This is the seventh Mission Impossible movie since the franchise started in 1996. It's crazy. Uh, well, and you could argue the franchise started in the 60s. Well, yes. You couldn't ba- argue. It, it, ba- it, it, yeah. that's the fa- it is a fact. Based off the original TV show that ran from 1966 to 1973, the show and comes back. back in the 80s, right? Yeah, it comes 90s. back for two seasons in 88. The show Did cre- it really? Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Created for Bruce Geller. And I don't know if that's where Tom Cruise got the inspiration the second time. I didn't know it came back either. Uh, but yeah, you got all the characters on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this movie was trending real high. It's still high. It's come down a little bit after uh, 347 reviews. It's that 96 percent now. At one point, it was like 98 percent, 99 percent, eight out of 10 average rating audience score. Ninety four percent money wise. Here's another movie that's budget ballooned. While they were making it, ended up costing them about $291 million. Ooh. We'll get into the crazy production. Like, it's kind of a miracle this movie even got made and fucking came out after all the shit they had gone through. So $291 million budget. It opens, it opened on a Wednesday. 
It opens domestic five-day total, $80 million. Three-day domestic opening, $56.2 million. Uh, right now, that five-day is a franchise record for the series. It's sitting internationally at $235 million worldwide. Uh, the franchise it will, have legs. it will have legs. It does not crack $100 million, even in the five-day. It's been a while, That's interesting, yeah. and we've seen a movie crack 100. Is it going to be Barbie? Is it going to be Oppenheimer? We'll find out. The franchise so far, though, before this came out, has made about $3.5 billion so far. So it is a money-making franchise. This one directed uh, and written by Christopher McQuarrie, similar to the last two. Also, Eric Genderson on the writing credits and, of course, starring fucking crazy-ass Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. Uh, you got Bing Rames as Luther. I believe Luther has been in every movie. Simon Pegg returning as Benji, Rebecca Ferguson returning as Ilsa Faust. You have Vanessa Kirby coming back as the White Widow, Haley Atwell joining the crew here as Grace, and Isai Morales joining as Gabriel, Palm Clementif also in this as Paris, and Henry Zerny coming back playing uh, Kittredge, the head of the IMF, who he was in the first movie, and then we didn't see him for a while. And then you got cameos by Carrie Elway's. Shea Wiggum playing a bad guy, Briggs, or a, guy, a government guy. Uh, a bunch of other people. Uh, that is your... This movie runs two hours and 45 minutes long. Uh, it's a long movie. Anthony, uh, tell me your history with the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, not good. Um, I've very recently got into it because of maybe because of the action movie franchise, but for, for reference, I remember the first Mission Impossible coming out, seeing it, not really remembering it, and then I watched the third one in theater in the theater with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and yeah. all I did was uh, play tonsil hockey the entire <laughs> movie, so I don't remember the movie at all. Um, and then from there, I hadn't watched a t- Mission Impossible movie till Fallout yeah. a few years ago, yeah. and I went back and watched Rogue Nation, and went back and watched Mission Impossible. Yeah, but I haven't even seen all the fucking movies. Oh, so I've Ghost, really only Ghost seen. Three, I can too. honestly say I've only seen. Memory, I've only really seen three of the six. Bolotti, you've seen all these movies? I haven't seen what's the one that Brad Bird directed? That's that's, uh, uh, Ghost Ghost Protocol. Protocol. Yeah. Yeah. I've saw and most, I've seen most of part three, but I didn't see it beginning to end. I think I've seen Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, Fallout, and the first one and the second one. Maybe I've seen them all. I can't remember. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the the third one. He's great. They like they totally fucking Fast and Furious this this franchise because you think it's like it's dead and then all of a sudden it comes back, but it gets strangely better and it doesn't get yeah. I guess not like this movie's not over the top like Fast X was. Fast X was a fucking cartoon, and ironically they used a lot of the same locations. In this movie, as it did in Fast X, but just did it better. Well, it is similar to the Fast movies. There's a turning point in these movies where the tone right. shifts and they figure out what they do and gets better and better. It's Yeah, it's when Macquarie comes along, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much. Well, they, it was Macquarie came along, but um, was it I read... Well, yeah, Bird, like J.J. Abrams in the third one took it to... So the the thing before McQuarrie was it was always a different director, and it right. was always a different spin, and it was always a great director, right? You had De Palma, yep. then you had John Woo, yep. then you had J.J. Abrams, yep. then you had Brad Bird, and then you had McQuarrie, and around the Abrams time, this is from my research, they started injecting the humor, and then Bird kind of started injecting like some of these even bigger like set pieces yeah bigger set pieces and then mccory kind of perfected all of it yeah and they're still uh, kind of like tinkering with it because this one is um 
a bit more lighthearted than the previous Macquarie ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we can talk about uh, all that. Yeah, it's, it's one, it is a rare franchise that seems to be like aging yeah. really well. Yeah. And yeah. it's also the rare franchise that um, like was based on something else. Right. In the 60s or 80s and is like completely carved a niche now where it's like its own thing. Yeah. It's like no one even remembers that it was. No, I know. Nobody that knows shit. that it was a TV show. They're like, what's yeah. this music? Uh, yeah. Anthony, before we get to all that, what happens in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? Oh, geez. Um, yeah, good luck. <laughs> a lot. Tom Cruise uh, as Ethan Hunt and the IMF are tasked with a mission to obtain a key that will potentially control this rogue AI that is taking over the world, and they are tasked with finding this key for the U.S. government, but uh, Ethan decides to go rogue because he realizes this key, the two halves of this key that would come together could just change the entire world, and uh, he is on a mission to find these two keys before the U.S. government does, before a person from his past does, before someone else decides to catch him before any other uh, Peggy Carter decides yeah. she Carter. wants to fuck around with it. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of people looking for this goddamn key. These two keys. They don't even know what the key does. Half the most of the movie. None of them don't even know what key does, <laughs> but they know it's, it's know something. It's important. Okay. Before we get into the movie theater experience, I believe Bilotti has an interesting story. Uh Oh, what happened? Bilotti. Is it's... this about the girl he hooked up with on <laughs> fifth Avenue? Oh, no, <laughs> no it's not. we're not walking. No, that's a comic was... book shop. It's no, not the saw... sex no. tour. What's going on? No, the movie walked the line. That, that was, <laughs> never mind. Um, talk about tonsil hockey. Anyway. Um, yeah, it was weird. I was like waiting for my wife. We saw it in, uh, there was a, what is it? AMC inside the Staten Island mall. Okay. And I'm sitting there in the lobby, not the lobby, like sort of like, you know, a few stores down from where the movie theater is. And I see this guy on the phone and he's like, like, he's like this, crazy like gay dude and he's like i was at the beach the other day and i'm on medicaid i don't have health like he's going on about all these different things I'm like what the fuck is this guy talking so i just like ignore him because you know new york you have all you're just surrounded by crazy that's sometimes. normal yeah, 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 normal. yeah that's, i'm like yeah, just, just go away you know <laughs> so we go to the theater and the fucking guy is in the movie and he's like <laughs> sitting like next to my wife like oh, two no. like one seat down oh, no. and then a bunch of people come in and they're like i think you're in our seat and he's like oh oh yeah like he comes up with some weird excuse then he moves to the end of our row. So they play all these trailers. It's a Dolby theater. Yeah. So it's bl- like I, my tinnitus is just like like on fire because <laughs> of how loud it is. And then at the end of like the 20 minute of previews, you know, AMC does this thing where like Nicole Kidman comes uh, in. I hate that thing. Go to the movies and look at this. Right. So she's like, that starts up again. And then the whole Dolby experience promo starts again. And then the lights go on after they just went off. Oh, no. So my wife gets up and goes and yells at him. She's like, I'm going to go ask my money back. If they don't turn these lights on, this is ridiculous. So she comes back. And the entire movie, this guy is talking to the screen like it's like they're professional wrestlers. Like the way my mom watches a movie. Like my mom will watch something like, oh, no. Oh, two, you bastard. How Oh, my God. She's a... So he's watching like Palm Clemente, that fight scene in, yeah. in like that that like little narrow like corridor, and he's like, "Oh my god, kill kill that bitch! <laughs> Need to kill her! Oh my god!" Oh, no, so she's and then when Haley Owl gets out of the cuffs, he goes, "Of course she's gonna get out. She's good like that." I'm like, "What is?" This guy? And then he gets up and he checks his phone. So the whole movie, this guy's like oh, adding no. his own commentary. It, and then, was it good or bad? Was it, it was enjoyable? Awful. It was, was awful, right? funny. Like, was it entertaining? It was like funny because, like I said, he was like my mom, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh no, I can't believe he just did that." It was ridiculous. 
So it's like towards the end, like it's not even the end end. It's like when they're still on the train and they're talking. Yeah. The fucking lights just blast on like full blast. Oh no. And someone just gets up and leaves. And then that crazy dude just leaves. What like, is, what is what, going what on? And then the lights get dark again. And then, then, then it finally was over. We were like, what the fuck just happened? What is this going the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. It was weird, man. It was just so well, bizarre. I hope it didn't distract from the movie. Bilotti, you're a guest. Let's start with you. The movie ends. What'd you think overall? I liked it. Uh, did I like it more than Fallout, which to me is the best one? Mm-hmm. No, mm, I don't. I didn't, but the movie did a really good job of keeping that tension up the entire film. And as a drummer, I really appreciated the snare drum uh, drum beat they oh. had going on the entire movie because that just kept you on edge the entire film. And you really felt the weight of everything just with that score alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I liked it. The Mission Impossible movies, I'm kind of like Anthony where it's like I sort of came to it late. I sort of in and out of them. I always have a hard time understanding what the fuck is going on. They can be convoluted and sometimes. It's the first one was the most convoluted and rogue nation was another one. That's, that's why I wasn't a favorite fallout was pretty straightforward in that mm-hmm. regard, but there was still a lot going on. But this movie, it's like, I feel like all the movies explain the plot in the, in the, the beginning where they sort of read the mission and then it's just action, right? For yeah. him to get a thing yeah. or stop a thing or whatever. Yeah. And this movie so I, I did compare it to Fast X and that they shared locations, but it's also similar that it's a part one, whereas, oh, right. and I don't even know why I'm comparing this, but uh, it's just because it's a part one of another movie. Same thing with- um, Across the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this movie and Spider-Verse felt like a, a contained storyline where Fast X, you could tell they were dragging things out. It was taking forever. They were clearly setting up the next two or three or probably five movies they got left. But this movie felt it was self-contained while still leaving, yeah. you know, the big thing open for the next movie. Like, yeah. the, they didn't stop the, the entity, the yeah. AI entity. Right. It's right. still there. Right. So, I know, it's kind of long-winded, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to process yeah. because you're watching all this crazy, beautifully shot f- uh, stunt work yeah. go, going on and you're trying to process. Yeah. And, and like the action and and where they are and like what's going on and then it's broken up by great moments of levity like when he's in the little Fiat. Oh yeah, oh, that was so great. fucking funny. Great. That was great. That was great. So uh, leaving the theater, I, I really liked it. I feel like as I'm watching the movie, I was thinking to myself, Jesus, man, like this guy, he knows how to get asses in seats. Like these, this is what movies are about. Like yeah. this is what summer popcorn flicks are all about. Anthony, opening thoughts. What'd you think coming? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Mission Impossible fan, but Fallout for sure made me go, wait a minute, there's something, maybe I've been missing out on these yeah. things, right? And then obviously Dead Reckoning comes out and we're we're in the midst of our, doing all our action movie research, so I'm all, I've been hopped up on adrenaline for about a year and a half since the 80s tournament. So, yeah. <laughs> um, like, I, if you look at me right now, like, I, I haven't slept in probably years. Jesus. Um, all I do is pump iron. Uh, drink testosterone. Uh, try to bang anything that comes in front of me. So I'm just like I'm, I'm ready for this, right? Uh, this is me now. This is who I am. This is I'll punch someone in the face. I don't care. I'll punch you in the face right now. I'll head, but I'll head butt you and then drink down your blood. Whatever. Um, I'm gonna jump out the window off the building. Yeah, I'll fucking jump through a window. Who cares? 
<laughs> so anyways, Dead Reckoning, um, really amped. I was really more amped than I would normally be for a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. And right from the get-go, um, the first off, I, I just got to point this out before I forget. I don't know why the fucking Russians are speaking in English to one another. Oh, on the Russian stub. Yeah. On their own yeah, Russian that was confusing. Stub. Yeah, I, I was like, wait a minute. Is this like... Why can't uh, they just speak Russian? You said Russian they Russian Yeah, they, the best movie they've ever done that in is Hunt for Red October. That's because what this they, reminded me of, the yeah, beginning. They start yeah. speaking Russian, and then it slowly segues into English. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah. okay. Right, right, right. But point. I was like, but, who are, the, are these Danish people? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that. But anyways, from that point to... Uh, the reveal of Ethan Hunt kind of infiltrating the uh, CIA, yeah. and then the, the opening credits hit. Yeah, and I've never been like the biggest Mission Impossible theme fan, but right when that hits, I was freaking glued to my seat, like sitting up, like this fucking movie is awesome. And throughout the entire movie, they do an amazing job of building tension, making you excited. It's an exhilarating experience. There's twists and turns that some of them don't make any sense, but I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. They just do a really good job of crafting an, a legit fucking movie experience where you're going, what's going to happen next? How are they pulling this off? The chemistry, like Haley Atwell is fucking hot. Great addition. Oh she's fucking, yeah, she's she's fucking hot and, she's, and she has great chemistry Absolutely. with Tom Cruise and yeah. All the actors and like the all the females in there are probably like late thirties, and I think they're all freaking hot. Rebecca Ferguson, <laughs> Vanessa Kirby, Haley Atwell, yeah. absolutely amazing. They're all great, yeah. and they all and like everyone's just on their game. And yeah, the the there's a lot of like contri- like contrivances. Like what's his name? Um, Ethan Hunt, uh, Tom Cruise parachuting into a train in the right exact moment. Like yeah, they, that's not like yeah, I yeah. Would, we would call this out in every any yeah, other movie, but yeah. for this movie, I was like, I don't care. Like. It is a fantastic experience in the movie theater with real stunts, with real exhilaration, with real tension, with timely, with a timely villain that's interesting. Uh, I mean, it's like an, an it's an entity, right? Yeah. Um, How topical is that? Uh, Tom Cruise oh, is yeah. literally and figuratively fighting AI on the yeah. screen and in real yeah. life. What and, the fuck? And um, like you, you can't help but compare it to the Marvel stuff. And I, I've always been a big Marvel fan, but lately, like. You throw the Marvel thing next to this, and it just it looks like trash. Yeah. And this thing, like, they have a formula to the Mission Impossible stuff, but it's so refreshing compared to all the other big blockbuster yeah. stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a complete story. It's but it, you still are satisfied with the story, but then still want to see it. It doesn't just kind of abruptly end. Yep. Um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, even we'll probably dive into it, but the fucking. I didn't realize the movie would be as funny as it would be. Yeah. And that fucking fiat scene is so goddamn funny. It's funny, but then you're also like, holy shit, it's this fucking fiat. Fuck, yeah. like those, that's a real, that's, I'm pretty sure that's a real goddamn fiat. They that like, souped up that car. They put a 500 horsepower motor in that little yeah, fucking I mean, fiat. It's just, it's, it's just, there's definitely some flaws in it. I don't know that it's better than Fallout. Yeah. Um, But, you know, all, the sum of its parts is just an exhilarating, fantastic movie experience that I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Dude, Tom Cruise, uh, obviously a madman. Direct line from Jackie Chan uh, is he's channeling what he's doing, but and still in top form on the horses, motorcycles, driving the car, on the trains, the skydives. 
Uh, the, Lots of running. The running is brilliant. Lots of running. <laughs> the movie is thrilling. They and you're just like this guy's actually doing this. They don't make movies like this anymore. How refreshing is it to see all these practical, largely practical effects? Uh, he's not, and, and he's not doing anything revolutionary. No. But none of that is revolutionary. No, he's going he's to kill himself for our entertainment. Uh, yeah, you know what? One day. He might as well. <laughs> I can't wait till that to- that mission puzzle comes out. But also, I think it's very consistent with the franchise. It delivers exactly what it promised it's going to deliver, exactly what's expected. Every movie, you know, Ethan gets a mission. He goes rogue. Crazy shit happens. That's pretty much every mission he's, possible he's, movie. He, well, well they, we know what they do. It's already interrupt and run, and I'll let you finish. What they do a really good job of is they create these tense scenes, right? Yeah. So they create, for example, um, he's he's in the airport and he's trying to find these fucking people. Yeah. But then they layer it, right? So then they're like, oh, wait a minute. There's uh, the police are after him. Police are looking oh, for him. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. By the way, on top of that, um, there's a bomb in the airport. Yes. And then like on top of that, like, oh, now it's Haley Atwell. Some character. random so like, woman just pickpocketed your mark. Right. What so, the fuck? And they do this throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And they do this throughout a lot of the franchise too, is yeah. they do a good job of like, okay, this is already tense, yeah. but now like something else came in. Like everything that they've planned is now like gone to shit because something else comes in and then something come out else comes in. And then Ethan Hunt has to do, and like Ethan Hunt has to like improvise and do, yes. and that's how he gets involved He's in so these good. like crazy stunts. Yeah. He's like, fuck like everything i just like the train scene yeah everything i just planned went to shit yeah and now i gotta do this i like that a lot and you buy that you buy him playing this ethan hunt who's got to improvise you know the plan is going to go back the the hilarious moments like in fallout when he's like tells him to take a left and he's just like i'm jumping out of a building hold on a right. second he does the same thing here when he slides up to the edge of the cliff he's like where's the train well how do i get down what are we doing here then he's like right. you just it- jump yeah, and, and what the thing is too about those scenes, Imran, is like they play. It makes they make even though Tom Cruise is a fucking madman, they make that character relatable because yeah. he's not like willingly going, right. man, I'm gonna do this, yeah. right? Like he's not like cool guy, I'm gonna jump off this. He's like, fuck, he never wants you to mean be I doing have to these jump things. Off this. Yes. Yeah, I was surprised by yeah. that. Like he was, I'm so used to like Vin Diesel. Right, he's just, fast I'm gonna just do going, this. Like yeah. he, every time there's a situation, he goes, "I didn't say land." Like he always has some fucking quip and figures out some plan where he's always in a car and the car never gets destroyed. Right, like but, isn't Vin Diesel? I mean, I haven't seen Fast X, but I'm pretty sure he drives down that that Hoover uh, Dam. Uh, yeah, the and Hoover he's like, Dam. He, yeah. And he's like, in like he he's like fucking cool guy about it, right? Everything, like, yeah, yeah. Every every movie, a fast movie, he never panics. Like right, Ethan Hunt is doing crazy shit and panicking and freaking right. out about it and, and i felt yeah. i found it very i don't say relatable because i'm not fucking driving off of cliffs and <laughs> but it is diving, right like that, yeah. that's how a normal person would react right yeah yeah and you like <laughs> yeah. he plays it so well you buy it i love also in this movie mcquarrie did a lot of callbacks to the first film with the low dutch angles uh the train scene a little bit reminded me of the train scene in the first one yeah you know the yeah. palma is a master at tension yep Every movie he does, like Snake Eyes is another great one. And yeah. I think he definitely set the template. Yeah. And you definitely felt in this movie. But I did have a question. The the villain, Gabriel, those yeah. flashbacks, was that from another movie? No, or? no. So That's we had that same question. We have never yeah. seen Gabriel or that woman that he shot. This is pre-IMF days of Ethan Hunt. Oh, okay. I, di- uh, I guess they're going to explain this more in the next one. But this is a character from Ethan's past we have never seen. Also, gotcha. I thought one of the nitpicks I had is the uh, the villain maybe could have used a little bit more time 
uh, because he uh, if you put him up with like Solomon Lane or Philip Seymour Hoffman from the third one, like they're much better villains. Solomon Lane was just amazing bad guy. Like he's a trained MI6 agent who goes rogue, right? I totally agree with you, Imran. I think this villain, especially since they tie him into the past and we haven't seen him, is yeah. kind of kind of a strange choice. But the entity thing, yes, it's fantastic. Would would have been laughable yeah. a while ago, there, but yeah. with how timely it is, it's like it, for me, it worked. I was like, oh, this no, it works. This is kind of a like this. This is something that I don't know how he's going to fucking deal with. Yeah, there's a human bad guy, and then there's a super powerful, right. intangible bad guy. But- but plus, they have the benefit of having another movie, so I think they're going to flesh that guy out. Hopefully, Gabriel they do. Moore. Yeah, Gabriel. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what that's a, that's the smart thing to do. And what, again, comparing to Marvel, but I liked Marvel back then. But this freaking villain is so much more intimidating than Ultron ever was, <laughs> and they have yeah. the same yeah. fucking powers. I mean, it's yeah, it's the same exact thing as AI taking over, and uh, yeah, yeah the, the whole like it changing people's faces and like. I was like, that was oh, crazy. Whoa, like, this is insane. And you, yeah, I was yeah. getting a lot of Ultron vibe from it, but mm-hmm. better. How do you like, stop a better. thing like this that can go everywhere? And it, it like, it sent the, the bomb was customized for Benji, which is wild to keep him distracted. It steps ahead uh, and it tried to blow itself up, I guess, just to keep it safe. I was is like, that what? So is. Because that's the beginning is when the lights went on, so we were kind of like in and out of yeah, it. The whole sub- <laughs> so, Russian submarine part in the beginning is. Yeah, yeah. so. Is that is the entity on the sub? The, an early version of the source code, I believe, is on yeah, the yeah. sub, and it's also everywhere. But it uh, early version that they need to use to take it down is in that little sub room. Okay, so the sub, it's a Russian sub. It's under the Arctic, yeah. And it sees another sub. They shoot the torpedo, but they realize it disappeared. Yeah, right, that was Which, a, the entity sent out made it look like there's a fake sub. And then had the torpedo come back at them and take them down. And then you see all the bodies, and they're all dead under the ice. I also had the question: Who fucking yeah. grabbed the keys from there? How did the keys leave here? Right. They find them. That beginning scene, fun scene, riveting scene, sets up the entity really well. Also, like the most convenient fucking thing ever, because <laughs> the entity blows itself up yeah. to to basically, I think, bury the the keys. Right? Yeah, Is that to what hide, I guess. Yeah. But but the bodies. All down in the fucking sub. All come out. All somehow. happen to float up to the top. They don't get buried. Yeah. They all happen to float up to the top. They're not fucking eviscerated in the explosion. So nope. they are um, floated up to the top on a dude's neck that it wasn't eviscerated. The guy happens to just put it on his neck. They're underneath ice, and someone somewhat somehow f- figures out where exactly this is and knows that uh, found these keys. These keys will still be intact. Yes, let's go get <laughs> like those that. Keys. Not, right. that's so so left field, it's very controlled. Whatever. On top great. of that, um, Cariel's character he yeah. tells Gabriel at the end that yeah. he's the only one who knows where the sub is. But then, wouldn't I doubt he recovered all those bodies by himself? Well, also, whoever found the keys, wouldn't they know where the fucking submarine is? Who was that? Right. Yeah. Again, like this movie has a lot of contrivances, and again, oh, yeah. I would totally destroy it in another movie, but. Jesus, they do everything but it works so, so well. Yeah, there's a couple of like, places where they cheat. Yeah, like, yeah, there's a lot of like cheats like that, yeah. or them the way they always in the nick of time. My biggest complaint, the biggest complaint me and my wife had watching it, was the fucking train car at the end is hanging off the cliff, yeah. and you're like, yeah. how are they going to get out of this? And the fucking it, uh, Palm Clemente, who was stabbed in the stomach, yeah, has it. the strength to find mm-hmm. them and save them and then die. That was a little like, sure. come on. Like, there's always like, the, like, 
it's an anime trope. Like Dragon Ball used to do this all the time where, oh no, like Goku or Piccolo is in trouble and somebody always saves him at the last second. Mm. And that's what I know this movie did a lot was there was always someone at the very last second. They, so they cheat a couple them. of times. That time where the train falls and you see them just standing there, like you don't actually see them climb out. Anthony, yeah. you mentioned he crashes through the plane, the train window just at the right moment. If you notice at the end of the chase scene with the Fiat, when it's on the tracks, she unhooks herself and handcuffs him. You see the train. You don't see him escape. You just see right. the train hit the car and he's there next to it. You never yeah. saw him escape. So they do that a couple of times, but it, well, it works. They, they do that a couple of times. And I'll also say my last nitpick on this before I just continue to gush over it is fucking love Haley Atwell's character. Have no fucking clue what motivates that person. She, that poor like, girl got wrapped into something for no reason. Well, just well, she, well she's stealing money? for them, right? But then, no, 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 no. She was hired by um, what's her name, Vanessa yeah, Kirby's by, character, right? She, so she, yeah, she she's was hired. hired. Oh, yeah. but then at some point in the movie, like she could have taken the money and she, she decided yeah, not she to did. because she, wants, she now feels sympathy towards Ethan Chase to her towards Ethan Hunt, even we though just met. she's left Ethan Hunt for dead yeah. multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, slip by. I, him. I, but I, but she yeah. fucking, she fucking, she's fucking hot, and she had great chemistry with Tom Cruise. And yeah, man, yeah. man, I don't remember her looking like that in Captain America, and that's the only thing I've ever seen her in. Mm-hmm. And that's and so I, she, I, she, she, she's great. I mean, the way she like, even in the beginning when she steals the key and then she like looks at him and like bites her lower lip, I'm just like, fuck, hell, <laughs> this woman, yeah, is hot. you know what it is? I've like I said, I've only seen her in uh, the first Avenger, mm-hmm. and you know she, she was great in that. She was great, and she was dressed a certain way and had a certain hairstyle. But this, she—I never saw her like contemporary looking, mm-hmm. and she was just fit and just her wardrobe. And I'm like, oh my god, her eyes, man, were just yeah. gorgeous. She was great, yeah, yeah. All, and uh, absolutely really gorgeous. gorgeous. Rebecca yeah. Ferguson also very attractive. It starts with them. Uh, she shows up in that desert scene in the beginning, which is kind of cool. He's on horseback, uh, and they fake her death. And then I was kind of sad they killed her. That was a good fight scene. Though. That, was, that a was, good. was a good. Gabriel fight. versus uh, Ilsa was dope. Ilsa's great. One I love of them. Ilsa. We, yeah, one of them was going to die. My uh, my friend in the theater uh, literally gasped when they killed Rebecca Ferguson. I was sad. Ilsa. I didn't want them to kill. I was like, I didn't think one of these people are not going to make it, and I didn't want it to be Ilsa. I was she mad was, in the beginning, but I was like, they may have faked this, and they did. She was the first movie she was in was was a Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation. Rogue Nation. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. She's great. Uh, so that Rome scene, he is actually driving and drifting handcuffed to Haley Atwell with one hand. Like that's all. See, that's a thing too. So Tom they Cruise. do a great. He, they're being chased, right? Yeah. And they're being chased by so many people, but they do a good job. They layer in the fact that he's these two are handcuffed. <laughs> he can only use one hand, and she's and, gonna and help. He, and yeah, and they're like cross driving. So it's just like they do these things that make a, a scene that already would be tense even more yeah, tense. Okay, how it. do you get out of this? Right, like it's yeah. just, and then they get cornered at one point, and then they they reverse and then reverse into like the one door into the in the in the tunnel. Like it's just one Conveni- thing after conveniently, another, <laughs> conveniently yeah. into like but this man, tunnel. He's got yeah. some driving skills. That motherfucker can absolutely drift a car, and that little car. Yeah, it's so when, funny. When, the, yeah, when but, it was just doing donuts while Palm Clementine's car is not starting. Yeah, but Palm Clementine just like like barreling through cars that was and great. bikes and the scooters I mean, and the bikes yeah she was badass she's badass Beautiful. she, she was so, like i'm watching this movie and i'm looking at her and i'm thinking to myself i just want to see a movie with her yeah just being a badass the hallway fight was it was great he spares her life but that tight quarters fucking action uh oh in the, really, in the alley yeah in the yeah, alley, the alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the alley at night was great when she can't get and then he sees gabriel has killed ilsa uh and, but no no nobody noticed that um, the white widow had brown eyes. <laughs> oh yeah, 
That it was like stark, like yeah. very brown eyes. It went from blue to brown. You know, did you notice also that the party scene where they go uh, to that rave or whatever, like the entity is like the music visualizer. Right. In all the screens, like it's there the whole time. And there's some great. Yeah, that was cool. That great was really it's, be- it's beautifully fucking shot. Absolutely. Him running on top of the fucking airport is great. It's, and then running through the candles. Uh, fucking great stuff. Which I mean, they 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 the the scene at the end or the when he they they really filmed him fighting on that fucking train. Yeah, let's talk about the train scene. This is where we get the bike stunt that was so hyped. All these all these featurettes and Anthony, I listened to your instant reaction where you said maybe we shouldn't have been uh, spoiled on that bike scene because seeing it, yeah. I was waiting for that. I was like, I can't wait to see the scene. You can see how they replaced the ramp with right. rocks and shit, but it's still a fucking dope scene. But it's just one part of this amazing train chase where they had to build the trains to crash and tom cruise and isai morales are on a train going 60 miles an hour fucking doing the stunts like that's all him it's you, you know what crazy. that reminded me of what? uh Bilotti, hopefully you've seen it what's they, up? they when in extraction two when they had a train scene yes i didn't yeah. i haven't yeah. seen it yet but oh, it did remind me it. it reminded me a lot of of robocop jesus christ super cop oh i need to still see that oh you never saw that no oh my god Tony, yeah. Tony, I will, I will. Once you, uh, once you finalize it for the tournament, well, that's an aside. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back. Oh, I, I gotta, yeah, I gotta look, look at that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of um, Super Cop in this movie, and a lot oh, of, uh, um, what's the other one I watched for Jackie Chan? I think I it's mean, a lot new. of Jackie Chan, right? Like, yeah, I that's, think we talked you know, about it's different. But I don't want doing the same thing. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not taken away from what Tom's doing. Tom, buddy, I love you. Uh, I'm not taking away what the guy's doing because he's doing something that people stop doing for no reason. Yeah. So he's doing these things that were fucking amazing to watch on screen. But I think he's also sort of looking back at the Jackie Chan highlight sure reel. Yeah. And he's just cherry picking things from those movies. Uh, I, even him running on the uh, airport, that was, I think that was lifted from, I want to say, New Police Story, where Jackie's like running on this top of this building and well, sort of a similar I, be, I believe in ghost protocol when he's sliding down the building and yeah. um oh Dubai. that's from yeah that's, that's from uh, i uh who am i right uh, when jackie yeah. chan's sliding down the top yeah, yeah. yeah. See, i never saw that but who am i has a lot of uh, great stunts you, also similar to jackie chan let's talk some tom cruise mission impossible injuries here on the first movie you know that scene where the ex- the aquarium explodes and he's running and that is like Actually, tons of water that he has to run past; oh, yeah. otherwise, it'll crush him. He bruised his ankle while running. Yeah, the yeah. first one, very first movie. Yeah. He bruised his okay. ankle doing that in Mission Impossible Two. That whole opening where he's free climbing and he's jumping from cliff face to cliff face, tears his shoulder, jumping yep. across the cliff at Utah's Oof. dead horse point. Mission Impossible Three cracks two ribs when he slammed into the side of a car in the bridge explosion scene, and then in Fallout. You see this. It's in the movie when he's oh, yeah, jumping. He fucking angle. Yes, when he's jumping rooftops, his foot slams into the side of oh, the building, breaks his ankle, and he pulls himself up and runs off. And they kept all of that in. But yeah. I, I just linked in here that you can put in the, in the show notes after. Yeah. Uh, screen crash. Screen crush does and breaks down every Mission Impossible stunt. That's oh, happened. I think I watched that. It was very yeah. good. Yeah. And they're all fucking, I mean, on the Burj Khalifa, on the plane, and this movie doesn't disappoint. It adds to the fucking batshit crazy things uh, that he well, has done. What, what are they? It's it's um, it's him. Well, all the running is not really a stunt. No, but, the, drive, uh, the Fiat scene. The Fiat, the Fiat scene, is right? all him driving. Yeah. The horse. Well, the horse. 
Horse Doesn't riding he get on a bike at some point. Yeah, that same scene. He goes. He starts yeah. on a motorcycle, yeah, then gets yeah. in the car, yeah. then gets in the Fiat. There's like three right. vehicles. When is so he on then, a horse? Did I miss that? The horse oh, is in the beginning. The beginning, the in beginning. The, when he finds Ilsa in the desert. That's right. I totally forgot about he's that. He's on Jesus. the horse in a dust storm. Right. right. Well, that that's not as big of a. I mean, he set a, horse, a high bar that yeah. him him on a horse in a dust storm doesn't make. But any, then the whole train, doesn't even crack the list. The whole train scene is numerous crazy stunts all put together. Right. From jumping the bike. Jumping Race off with jump. a bike to parachute onto a train and then fighting on top of a moving train. He also yeah. does something called it's called sky farming or sky something to where where he's spinning around in that the parachute and kind of controlling it as it descends. Like that's a skill. He mm. had to learn that. Um, he. Oh God, yeah. I was thinking about the um, the scene with the train cars are like over the edge and they're they're jumping from car to car and yeah. the kitchen train car they're slipping in the oil. Oh yeah, that's great. That, the, that was great. That was man. great. That was, and then the the piano and that's him fucking dangling from the fucking train like he's hanging there. They built those trains. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, just in preparation, just for that bike jump, he did five hundred skydives, thirteen thousand motocross jumps. If you watch that featurette unbelievable uh preparation that this motherfucker does you you certainly cannot expect every actor to want to put themselves in danger like this i don't know how they insure him that being said <laughs> yeah it the fact that he's like this movie could be complete shit but the fact that i know he's doing that yeah it just raises the level it's of the movie up there so with the, much like the john wicks like uh in terms of action set pieces the guy doing the action yeah there was you know what watching this movie and watching that club scene you could definitely tell that they've taken influence from the john wick movies yeah. because oh, honestly yeah. those guys shot are, just like it yeah. yeah stahelski is doing the best best action directing uh best modern action directing i, I think uh in hollywood right now you know on, on a limited mm-hmm. budget I'm sure if the guy had $290 million, you'd be seeing some pretty spectacular shit. But so, and if you're going to steal some from somebody, again, you steal from Jackie, you steal from the raid movies, you steal from John wick. I mean, well, McCory's make definitely giving that guy a run for his money. Yeah. And what I, my, I, I don't disagree that the the best, but, right. uh, we said this earlier, Marvel regularly pumps in $300 million to yeah. their movies, and they don't look nearly, no. nearly, nearly no. as good as McCory is able to balance The his locations budget. he chooses, the way he shoots these things, it's all gorgeous, the the epic worldwide scale. Well, well, they shoot them in the location. Marvel just shoots everything in a fucking right. green screen Not in Atlanta. The volume or whatever. All right, so let's talk about how the movie ends. Gabriel, it's kind of convenient how he gets away. He conveniently just falls off the train. Very convenient. He falls off a train that's going 60 miles an hour into a stationary truck that's just sitting there. Think about that. Not only does he fall, doesn't he like trust fall off? Yes, he just falls backwards. And he shouldn't have just landed straight flat on a stationary truck. The man is traveling at the same speed the train is. But at at this point in the movie, you're you're just like, oh shit, whatever. Yep. Yeah. 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 You've seen so many ridiculous things. It's just like, I mean, they're climbing the side of a train with knives, you know? Yes. Stabbing it. So he had the key, but Ethan has picked his pocket amongst all this. And Ethan ends up with the key. How many people has to count how many pickets, pickpockets there were? Magic tricks. Everybody (laughs) is picking everybody's pocket. Everyone everyone now could pick each other's pocket and do me a magic trick. Slide a hand with the key. Slide a hand with the what? This key or this key? (laughs) Like it's a fucking Vegas magic show. What are you doing? I was like, I said when out loud. When you say it out loud, Imran, when you say it out loud, <laughs> like this movie's ridiculous. Like this, if any other movie, you'd be like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> I think I said out loud in the theater. I, at that point, I was like, oh, he does magic now. 
<laughs> I just said it <laughs> under my breath. That's what I was thinking. Like, wait, did he do this in the other movies? I don't remember. No, no. Okay. he's never been sleight of hand. So they have the key. Paris, uh, before she dies, tells Ethan what the key is for, what it unlocks, and he knows what Sevastopol is. So mm-hmm. part two, what are we What are we thinking? Crazy underwater shit? Uh, here's my big question. Are they going to kill fucking Ethan Hunt at the end of the second movie? And close I, it out? I no. I, I heard he said he wants to go as long as Harrison Ford did Indiana oh, Jones. Jesus. But, yeah, 20 more I, I also read the same thing that initially Dead Reckoning Part 1 and 2 was going to be the end. But now him and McQuarrie are coming up with ideas for further sequels. Oh, Jesus. Of so they maybe they won't kill him or they'll the, fake it. The only thing I, I, I don't don't get me wrong. I like these movies um, now, especially now. Uh, but I'm just like, how much? He's 60. How, how long can he? <laughs> I mean, okay, let me ask uh, uh, Bilotti. Jackie Chan, when did he really start to cool off on doing all the stunts? How old was he, you think? When he came to Hollywood and he started doing, I think, Rush Hour, he oh. was like older than me, like 45. Yeah. And I'm 43, and I'm like, how the hell did he fucking... Yeah. So it was around four, in his 40s, he started cooling down mm-hmm. a little bit. Because he was doing the medallion tuxedo he did some fucking movie where he's like with a bunch of kids and he's like i don't know i was on the other day it was awful mm-hmm. um but he's still doing stuff in china so i honestly i don't know because he's still doing stuff he's definitely not falling off of clock towers that's for sure he's not <laughs> sliding down buildings but well it's also a little i guess it's a little bit of an uh, apples to oranges because jaggy chan stunts they he did have some high-risk stuff but his was very hand-to-hand like jumping on things and Tom's doing like he's hanging off shit, right? Like, and he's like, right. He's, he's being like strapped onto something like that. So I mean, it's a and, little and different. Jackie has done that, but the thing is, Jackie's always done it, and Tom's doing it now. Right. Mm-hmm. He just started doing it. It just started doing it now, and and <laughs> no Tom reason. has harnesses yeah. and blue screens, and Jackie didn't have any of that stuff. Like when that motherfucker yeah. fell off that building, he fell off that building. Yeah. The only thing breaking his fall were like three awnings. Jesus. But when he slid down that pole, oh, he, that's a hot pole. Third degree burns, hot pole of the police story. I mean, this is uh, when he's like out running. Was it Mister Nice Guy with the um, the big giant dump truck? And he's like, just it takes your breath away because he he. I think he the truck tries to run over him, and he like climbs up the tire as it's rolling towards him. It's unbelievable. Like, you just mm-hmm. have to watch it. And you're like, oh my god. But he, yeah, he started cooling off, I want to say, in his 40s, probably 50s. I think he's 60-something now. 69 now. Tom, I'm trying to gauge how much longer Tom Cruise can do this. Oh, he can do it easily another eight years, I'm going to say. Maybe three Jesus. more movies. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do next. I mean, it's... He's got, he still it's, has to go to space and do that space movie. What happened to that? He was going to make so a movie. Did, he was quoted space. as saying... Someone said, like, you have to go to space. He he's to. like, we're working on it. It's, yeah, it's the only thing left. It's you got to go <laughs> into fucking space. Real quick, let me give you just a quick rundown of all the fucking production difficulties this movie had. It is amazing that they had the, the, the tenacity to finish this movie. In t- uh, 2019, Tom Cruise announces Mission Impossible part one and two to come out summer of 2021 and 2022 February, 2020, they go to start shooting in Venice. They were planning to shoot that Venice scene during carnival COVID shuts it down right away. Right. Uh, By September of that year, they get special permission to film in London and Norway. So they don't actually start filming until September 6, 2020. And the first thing they do is that bike jump crazy scene. October, 2020 COVID shuts them down again in Italy Here's where the budget gets inflated from originally it was 240 
ends up being 291. Fallout only cost 190 million dollars. They've called this one of the most expensive movies ever made. Uh, and clearly, the Hollywood is in shambles. The the investors, the insurers, the money's drying out. Tom Cruise is stressed. Anybody remember this? I'm going to play about 30 seconds of this. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs. You motherfuckers. Remember that shit when that happened? I, I yeah. totally forgot he did that. That was I on remember, the set no, of this that. movie. That was during was the making movie? of this movie, yes. What was the situation? That's what I couldn't remember. Somebody just like, I think he, I, it was an innocuous thing. Somebody just was like too close or they didn't have a mask on or something. Oh, yeah. And, but at this point, the you know, the insurance people are pulling back. Paramount is footing the bill for all the extra costs. Tom is fucking stressed out. And I think he just snapped and went viral. Now, that blowing up that bridge scene, they had trouble finding a bridge to blow up. They Originally, it was going to be in Switzerland. The Swiss said, no, get the fuck out. They find another old bridge in Poland. Turns out it's a historic monument, and Poland says, no, get the fuck out. They finally move to the UK, and they find that train line where the, the whole stunt happened, except they have to wait. They got to suspend filming for two weeks because Indiana Jones 5 is also using that same fucking train line. At the time, this train line shows up in that movie, uh, and they finally finished filming on August 2021. They filmed the last scene, and at this point, the release date's pushed back to 2023, a two-year delay, which places it one week before Oppenheimer and Barbie come out, and then the last news story is Tom Cruise is pissed because he has to give up all the IMAX screens just after one week because Nolan is the IMAX guy. He shoots on IMAX cameras. He loves IMAX. He's their fucking spokesperson. Of course, he's getting all the IMAX screens for Oppenheimer. But we'll see. So it's crazy the the, the release date of this movie because he literally has one week before like two giant movies are coming out for competition. Just wild. Well, I'll give Tom. He deserves a lot of credit for his a lot of stuff yeah, right now because yeah. he's basically almost a one-man army with the movies right now is he saving the movies yeah you know creating stuff that people want to see that's original um but i gotta give him credit for really insisting really pushing back on not making his movies go to streaming when everything was going to streaming yeah and just being like nope i'm going to hold out and wait and you know i think my showing had a little message from him in the beginning yeah i had that too with him and Corey. yeah Yeah, and i think it's these movies, the movies he makes are truly cinematic and they deserve to be seen on the yeah, on and big he, screen. He sees the writing on the wall and he sees that there's no money in streaming and you know, he's been around for a while and he, he's, you know, I'm sure he has a vested, uh, um, what do you call that? Uh, when, Interest. when the, no, when the actors get a percentage of the box office. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm got sure. Points. Yeah. Cause that's what, yeah, that's why Nolan was so, adamant about getting tenant into theaters because he had a you know he was going to get box office well, and, know, that, box and that's office why scarlett johansson and disney mm-hmm. almost marvel almost broke over black widow of, yeah. yeah black and, widow and of the point cruise has the clout to do that and the yep. other thing is is too like you know cruise is you know he's part of this broken system i don't say dying system because it's certainly not dying but it's a broken system 
And even Tarantino commented on this. And this has been something that's been going on with American cinema for a while is that uh, since they switched over to more IPs, they're losing the celebrity. They're losing the, the stars. There are no stars anymore. There's no stars. There's no leading men. No. There's no leading men Nobody. anymore. There's no leading women. No. Like, who is there? Like, who do we have? Everyone's either British or Australian. Your leading and men are in their 60s and 70s right now. Getting, yeah, they're, and all these movies are just bombed. I mean, you have Michael Keaton coming back to play Batman in yeah. the 70s. Indiana Jones yeah. is almost 90. Yeah. Tom Cruise is 60. Yeah. In fact, when we were driving home from the movies today, I turned to my wife. I said, it's interesting that all the women in this movie were like gorgeous. They're probably like mid-30s, early, you know, yep, like yep, Haley Atwell is yep, 41. Yep. And all the men in this movie are like 55 and older. <laughs> right yeah. except for the kid in the beginning they're all well it is it's, i mean the final battle on the train is like two old dudes going two at, old dudes going right. at yeah. each other, but it well, for some reason it works but you know cruz would not i know like why cruz is doing this because he realizes he's like a one-man do, uh, dog and pony show doing this right now yeah mm-hmm. because there's no one else and he's competing with marvel and he had definitely has a leg up on marvel because he's doing everything in camera for the most part marvel's certainly not doing that and, you know, he is sort of fighting against the tide of what's going on. I guarantee you, if he was up against, like, four other dudes that were, like, doing these kinds of movies, right. it'd be a whole different landscape yeah. right now. Nobody's doing he'd, this, he'd, man. He'd still be doing these things, but it just, it, it, it wouldn't be the only thing we're talking about. Right. Yeah. It, it's the, it, What makes it, besides the fact that it's just well-executed movies, it makes it really work as this and Top Gun Maverick. These are one of ones. Like, there's not anything else yeah. that looks like this that feels like this. Everything else is Marvel, is is DC, is the Fast movies. Um, that's why these things, when they stick, when they're shot on screen, they really stick out. It is and, refreshing. It's right. It's and, real. And he's, you know, he's kind of part of a like one of the last of that that old guard of that old like, guard. Yeah. When you know when men were portrayed as like these masculine men. That, and you know, they weren't, you know, all um, torn down and, and, you know, it's nice to see, it's nice to see, yeah, not emasculated. It's nice to see like an old hero like Tom Cruise or, or Keanu Reeves not be torn down on screen like, uh, what's his face was, uh, Luke in uh, in Last Jedi. What's oh, yeah, yeah. Name? Uh, Mark Hamill. Yes. Treating right, the old. just like, oh, yes. you're a sad sack. Well, and they and did that with fucking... Indiana Jones, too. They turned him into a sad sack in this movie because right. all his fame got nothing. They also they they wrote the women characters fairly people, well. People want to see. Sorry, real quick, yeah. and then you can finish. People want to see their heroes be heroes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they want to see him, you know, go through the hero's journey. Like he, right. He wasn't sure of himself in a lot of situations, and he he was figuring it out on the fly. Same thing with with Keanu and John Wick. Like yep. he got the yep. shit kicked out of him yep. in those movies, yep. and he still you know persevered. It's about that still journey. Plugs on. I journey, mean, I man. thought now, the, the way they wrote Grace Hilly Atwell's character also this is a fleshed out. She has her own agency. She you know she doesn't always want to do the things, right. but she knows but what she's doing, he, and she knows when not, to let him do things. Right, but he's he's also not like a chauvinistic male right. because he tells yeah. he tells her Grace her character that you know I put your life before mine, and he saves her life multiple times, and she's helps him and he's not just like yeah you know get in the kitchen and cook what the fuck you know he's not yeah. like that kind of masculine i also love this that's that's the balance the several times when some, there's something happening and uh, ethan hunt is like here's the plan go do this and the other person's like how am i supposed to do that and he he's just goes figure you'll it figure out. it yeah. out as he runs off i love that so because great. he kept saying it yeah, yeah i love that goes, so i much. don't know you'll figure it out he doesn't know what he's gonna do and he completely buy it it's so good yeah, that is just that's great. Now I guess but, Grace will be uh, part of the IMF, and she took the choice. She wants she wants in 
I don't. My, my friends and I were a little confused on like her IMF journey, but uh, whatever. <laughs> Do we trust Kittredge? Also, I don't know about this guy. I don't. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to trust yeah, him. Yeah. Um, was he, he was in the first movie? He wasn't was he? in the he first was, movie. Yeah. yeah, and they brought him back, which is kind of that's cool. crazy. All right, but I guess let's yeah. uh, final thoughts. Let's rank it uh, and rate it. Uh, Anthony, why don't you give us go first? I, I, I can't really rank it because I haven't seen all the Mission Impossible movies. I'll just say that I don't know that it's better than Fallout. Um, but I had a damn good time. Yeah. I, I, if I did rank it, I had to Fallout because of recent. It'd be recency bias. Yeah. I don't know. I got. I'd have to watch Fallout again. Yeah. Um, as far as the number, there's a lot of contrivances. There's a lot of conveniences, but it's fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, I can't give it a full like nine or ten. I'm going to go eight and a half out of ten. Okay. But it, it is a damn good time at the theater. And um, yeah, I, 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 I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Fuck. I'm, I mean, I'm with you. Highly recommended. You don't see shit like this anymore. I'm just going to go ahead and give it a nine. But also, I did rewatch Fallout, and I was watching parts of Rogue Nation, and uh, it's it's like tied fallout just edges it out because i think it has the more fully fleshed out bad guy and which he they set him up in the movie before but this is also part one if they flesh out gabriel and give us this backstory it could save the whole thing uh but it's definitely up there and the movies get if not remain as good do get better and better in this franchise it's fucking crazy after 30 years so i'm gonna give it a straight nine uh Bilotti, what about you um I give it an 8.5. Okay. Okay. But it's also, you got to remember too, it's an 8.5 in the sea of threes. <laughs> okay. So there's not much out there right now yeah. that it's really, nothing has come close to what this movie did this year, except for John Wick 4. Yeah. yeah. But scope wise, um, budget wise, I mean, I think this one takes the cake, obviously. I <clears throat> I like Fallout more. I give Fallout like a 9.5, yeah. maybe even yeah. a 10. Yeah. Uh, sure, it had his contrivances, but Henry Cavill made. Oh, he's great! And great. So, he he's is so great just like, like, oh my god, the yin to Tom Cruise's yang. You know what I mean, dude? That whole scene where they like they know that Walker's a bad guy and they play him with uh, Alec Baldwin in that tunnel is so good. Yeah, the whole just yeah, just having him is like, and then him yeah. just cocking his arms in the bathroom before he just pummels yeah, that I guy. Love that it's fucking I love fantastic! That. Hey, it's the uh, mustache that ruined. Uh, Justice League. Justice League always remember, but it, but it gave us Fallout. But it gave us Fallout, Fallout is is nonstop. I mean, at the end yeah. you're out of breath because it just goes and goes and builds and builds and builds. Where this movie, it was kind of like I don't know if you guys ever saw The Great Escape with Steve McQueen and it's like a million other guys, but it's it's a World War II movie yeah. and it's these guys that try to escape like a Nazi camp and a large chunk of the movie I I haven't seen the movie since I was a kid. And I all I remember was Steve McQueen on a dirt bike trying to get out of this camp and like out of like German occupied territory. And every time, like, because it's like a it's an ensemble cast. And for like 20 minutes, this guy, Steve McQueen, is on a dirt bike trying to get out of the camp. <laughs> and it cuts back to other people, cuts back to him, and he can't get out. It just goes on and on and on. And this reminded me a little bit of it. Oh, like wow. when he's on a dirt bike yeah. and he's trying to get on the train. Yeah. Um, so like I said, there was definitely moments where it's like, okay, he's doing a great escape. The whole train fight scene, the train sequences is a little super cop. Um, but Jesus, man, like no one is doing this stuff. Yeah. So again, fallout for me is the better movie, 
But again, this ain't no Fast X. This movie is still it delivers, it, man. It delivers, it delivers and it stands on its yeah. own. And and it's just like I said, it's like the hot girl. You know, it's not even the hot girl that's in the bar of a bunch of ones. It's not. A, it's like a ten in a bar of ones. This is like you go to like a podunk town in the middle of Pennsylvania or like Nebraska, right? It's a bunch of like shit kicking dudes and flannels yeah. and the women are like bigger than the men and they're homely with beards and shit, right? And then you get like the girl that's like coming in from Chicago or LA who is on like a camping trip with her friends and she's really hot and she doesn't clearly belong there. That's what this movie is. It's what? in a podunk bar. What town? <laughs> just, what bar is this? I want to go there. I don't know. It's just a random bar that you don't expect to be any like talent, as the kids say, in this bar. Yeah. You expect to see a bunch of ones, you know, flannels, mullets, and shit. And all of a sudden, this like hot blonde comes in that <laughs> doesn't belong there. Or pretty much any time I go to like I don't know uh, Delaware or Maryland or <laughs> upstate New York. But um, anyway. That's that's what they think of you. They're like, man, look at this tall Italian. Yeah. Be here. yeah. When me and my wife go rapping Italian, me and my wife would go up to like see my great aunt up in uh, Cobleskill, New York, and we go to like the local Walmart, and we're dressed like what we think is casual New York, but we're wearing jeans and like you know athletic sneakers and like you know I'm wearing a pea coat. I don't think anything of it. And then you, you go into Walmart and it's like these dudes with flannels. Oh my and God, beards. Walmart people. That's a whole yeah, different camouflage. Class. And, yeah. you know, they have big like shit on their boots and the women are covered in cat hair. And <laughs> we're, we're clearly, it's like my cousin Vinny. Like, yeah. we are by default the best looking people in uh, the entire city at that you moment. Paint quite a picture. Yeah, words. well, this is this is experience. Wait, you know what here. else I love about this movie? The the first of all, the fact the opening credits are like twenty seven minutes into the movie. Oh, yeah. I love that. But who does credits like these? These are throwbacks, and, and they show highlights of they the movie. They showing you the movie. Yeah, that's cool. You're about yeah. to see. I've never seen. It's such a throwback, like TV thing school, to yeah. do. It's so that's great. an old school thing. I love that. And they do it every movie, and they show you the movie before the show. Here's, here's a quick question for you. Yeah, I I said this when we reviewed John Wick. Yeah. Um, that the three biggest action movie franchises right now are Fast and Furious, Mission yeah. Impossible, yeah. and John Wick. Yeah, um, it's clear to me. Obviously, Fast and Furious is like maybe twenty notches below these two at this yes. point. Oh yeah, what <laughs> in I terms doubt. of just like credibility and you know, what people really think of this shit going on. Um, but what's the better franchise after Fuck. having seen John Wick and now this one? Fuck. That's per- at, at its current. They're, but they're different. It's, they're so it's, different. They're both they're, they're great, so different. It's equally. To... And uh, the fact that Mission Impossible has been around since '96 and he hasn't let it go and he's improved it that gives it points. But on the other side, the fact that that Keanu is is so committed and each of those movies gets bigger and crazier and the 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 hand close hand to hand combat the gun Wait flu is great. You're 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 saying you're saying Keanu's commitment? Uh, both of theirs. That's the thing. <laughs> but they're in different Tom ways. Commitment. Like yeah, like. One has that close gun fu action, and this other one has just this incredible set pieces and crazy stunts nobody's doing. It's almost like they're the same thing, but they're not. It's almost unfair to compare them. I don't yeah, know which one's better. I, I think they're amazing, like like top tier, if not number one in their own categories. What, well, if you had well, to they are both be, technically action movies. Well, I guess one is action spy. The other one is more straight up yeah one's espionage and one is yeah what do you think anthony which one would you give it to i can't answer this oh man that's uh, so hard it 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 really is i mean it's like what do you want do you want big stunts or do you want hand to hand i think um fuck yeah it's impossible (laughs) they're so tied i think I, i think i generally lean towards um 
hand to hand. That being said, this was so exhilarating yeah. that like, I don't know. I, I guess it, I guess it would depend on what side of the bed I wake up on. Yeah, there, but you yeah. you get good shit either way. Uh, all right, let's find out what the listeners thought in news from the nation. <laughs> It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. Anybody got it? No? Nothing? It stinks. Nobody's farting. It you, stinks. Oh, I it forgot that. Stinks. I forgot to fart in front of other people. Are you embarrassed? No, no, I'm done farting. All right, it's fine. Anyways, Andy Hun, who is from Mostly Superheroes Podcast, said, Gotta get me some of that green gas stuff. That was a great scene. I mean, you knew it was him kind of when you saw that weird guy standing there Mm -hmm. uh, during that scene and he just knocks everybody out. You knew that guy was wearing a mask. Yeah. You're like, this guy looks weird. Why are we following him? Uh, But that was great. Gerald Morris just said, loved it so much. Chris Marin says, just got back from watching it in a fairly packed theater. It was very good. Really enjoyed the ride. And I'm really looking forward to the conclusion, but it's not as good as any of the previous ones from three onwards. He says the actions, locations, screen presence were all fantastic. The story, not so. Ultron, is that why Agent Carter is there undercover? Yes. He says there's a lot more comedy in this compared to the last movies, plus a couple of very convenient, in the right place, at the right time, seed resolutions, which the Mission Impossible movies don't usually rely on. They cheapened the tension for me. It felt more Luke Besson with a huge budget than Christopher McQuarrie. That's interesting. Uh, he says, I really like the Rome car chase, the Venice street fight, and the final train sequence from the tunnel bit onwards. In the final bit of the Venice fight, I was uh, I stood on that exact bridge about three months ago. Oh. The whole cinema erupted when a blurred background cruise took out guys with the motorbike during the Rome chase. That was kind of funny. Remember that scene where in the background you see the bike come by mm-hmm. and just take out people? I, I mean, what he's saying is not incorrect, right? No. no. Just, what's your aptitude for some of that shit? And- yeah. Yeah, and we and we higher. called out on some of the the convenient cheats to get the uh, Ethan out of trouble. Uh, Blake Braden says Tom Cruise hands down the best movie runner of all time. He's up there. Jackie Chan is very good. He's very good. No, it's Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal is the best runner of all time. <laughs> that lunky bastard. That l- lumbering fucking tall no, dude. No, you you, you got to watch him run in uh in some of his early goals. He's not lumbering around. Oh, he's, early he's doing Seagal. something else. Oh, I see. His arms. I don't know what those arms are doing. Does he run like movie. Ezra Miller? Is that one? Did they kind learn of. it? Kind of runs like that. He, run, he, he, he runs like he runs like <laughs> he's never put two feet in front of him. <laughs> you know what's funny? The other day I saw this this young female jogger running. And I turned to my wife and said, that's the way Steven Seagal runs. And she had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I'm like, you just don't get it. Uh, this is YouTube Steven Seagal running, listener, and you'll, right. you'll know. You can watch a supercut of Tom Cruise running. Jose Ibarra says, Tom, you psychotic little man. I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. It felt nowhere near as long as its runtime. Fun movie all the way through, even though it's just part one and two. I love that it felt like a complete film. My only gripe is that personally, I would have appreciated more Palm Clementif. Certified badass and baddie. I do love how it is a satisfying, self-contained movie and leaves just enough plot threads. Like, you know it's where they're going. But it's there's a finish. Unlike Across the Spider-Verse, field felt a little jarring where it ended. This one doesn't. Yeah, fair. And Palm is great. Uh, you can put her in more things. Um, all right. I think we're going to call it there. Of course, out this week, listener, Barbenheimer, Oppenheimer and Barbie. We have chosen Oppenheimer for the win. For the showdown for the first weekend go watch that we'll be reviewing that next week uh yeah, but we, we, we don't need to talk about secret invasion 
No, we'll skip that for the review when it's over. There's only two episodes left. Uh, I don't know. I do want to say crazy. one thing real yes. quick. Yes. What are we watching? Yes. Uh, one, two things. First, Bilotti, you got to watch Extraction 2. Yes. Just I know. It's on my list. I, just, I know. I know. You, you will. And then I want to hear what your reaction is. But yeah. I watched um, Sisu. Yeah, oh, you night. did oh, watch Sisu. Speaking of the action genre, uh, I did, I did, uh, and and I'm glad I decided to buy it last night or rent it because it was twenty dollars for the longest time, and then I would have paid it, and then last night or maybe a couple days prior, uh, you could rent it for like five or six. Oh, bucks. it dropped. Ooh, I'm gonna yeah. watch it. So and um, Sisu is it's good. Uh, yeah. it, it's not mind blowing. Yeah, it's made by the guys. I think it's the John Wick producers might be in it. I okay, who exactly? But um, it's not John Wick. <laughs> it's uh, it it's is like a guy a, stabbing people in the head. Though. It's like Inglorious Bastards. Oh. with in Finland, sort of. Okay. Um, it's a little bit more. Granted, these movies are ridiculous, but it's even more ridiculous in terms of what like what this guy can survive or uh, take. He's killing but, Nazis. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a guy that's killing Nazis, and that's He's killing fun, Nazis. So. That's always fun to watch. So you would—it's it's about a guy that has, that in the middle of World War II does gives no shits, um, is a badass guy that just like gives no shits about anything, just wants some gold, steals some, get finds gold, and then the Nazis take it from him, and he wants it back. Give him my gold. Where's Simple my premise. elephant? All right, I'm gonna. I definitely. I love the trailer, and I'm definitely gonna check it out now. That it's a fun movie. That okay, good. So, okay. Hour thirty. Oh, nice tight. Quite Easy breeze. All right. It's a Wait. good recommendation. Uh, Bilotti, go. are you excited for Oppenheimer? And tell the listener where they can find all your stuff online. I am. Well, uh, sure. Yeah. What I'm watching right now, Emron. Yeah, what is, are you watching? Um, <laughs> <laughs> just totally skipped over me. No, I'm, not, I'm just watching Secret Invasion and Godzilla movies, Ultraman. I'm trying to think if there's something I just saw. Are you enjoying the Secret Invasion? I am. I'm surprised at uh, how much, how many like racial comments Samuel Jackson makes in this. Right. He, yeah, but it's like a different character. I mean, yeah. they're really, he's really leaning on like the race thing in this. I was really surprised. Like, okay, they're, they're, put, they're playing that card. Okay, it's yeah. interesting. Um, but it's, it's good. It's, it's holding my interest more than, way more than the other Marvel shows okay. have. But okay. again, it's a, like a worldwide thing going on and, you know, where's Thor? Where's there's no Avengers know? anywhere to help? No, but there, well, there's yeah. no not even an Iron Man. So yeah. there's kind no of, money. That's there's no, there's like, no money. To, they spent yeah. two hundred twenty-five million dollars. They still can't yeah. give us a thing. But I did just watch this movie. Oh, what's it called? Shit, The Hunt with Betty Gilpin. She oh, was one of the yeah, leads in Glow. Yeah, I remember this. It's kind of like Hard Target a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's my you know my brother told me to watch it and Hillary Swank's in it. She's like the, the baddie. Um, but, but, uh, it's definitely worth a watch. It's, it's, it's a, you know, a brief movie. It goes by quick. It's a thriller uh, action kind of yeah, thing. It's an action movie and she's really good. Uh, Betty Gilpin is, is really good. She plays a really good character, like ex military. And the fight scene she has at the end is really good with Hillary Swank. It's just brutal. It's a brutal fight. Yeah, scene. I remember this came out in 2020. It's on Peacock right now. I think you can watch it there. Yeah, and I'm watching uh, Ultraman Blazer, which is being simulcast here in the States, which probably no one here will watch, but it's very good. And uh, yeah, I got to watch Extraction, but yeah, man, I mean, just trying to think what else I've watched that's new, that's stuck out. Oh, really? Uh, that was it. But yeah, 
Uh, what was the other question you had for me? Where can they f- where, there was something else? Yeah, where I wanted to plug your stuff so the listener will go buy all your license oh, yeah. ultra. Just go to my website, www.robo7.com. It's R-O-B-O, the number seven dot com. Uh all my stores on there, my officially licensed Ultraman merchandise is on there. And uh yeah, all my social media stuff is on there as well. Right on. Thanks for hanging out and filling in for rugs and giving us the scoop. Uh yeah, my pleasure. Hope, hope uh, you'll have a lot of free time coming up, so we may hear from you. <laughs> Oh, Hopefully this gets resolved. I'm I keep sorry. quoting. Um, I love the movie The Breakup. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, and that scene where Vince Vaughn is like sitting at home, and she's like, "I'm gonna let my brother come do his, you know, his whatever it is, his uh, uh, what do you call that, the acapella group?" And he's like, "Go ahead, babe. I got nothing to do manana." So I kept like saying that the other day because <laughs> I was going to physical therapy, and I'm like, "What are you doing now with the strike?" I'm like, "I got nothing to do manana. Oh, I can stay boy. here all night if I want." So I'm just totally like Vince Vaughn in that movie right now. Stay strong, <laughs> SAG. You got this, and WGA. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, send us some uh, things you want uh, you hear me read on our 500th episode or check out the show notes for this episode, shockandnerd.com slash 495. Make sure you share the show with your friends. We'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. We'll peep you next time. I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah. Me, too. me too. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. That's really good. Really good. I fucking loved it. I stick it up my asshole. I really don't give a shit. Talking nerd. <laughs>